everybody, and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen. Everyone's getting a big stretch in for a good old-fashioned podcast. Thank you all for being here. I'm joined by Jeff Marchiafava, the stretchiest man in the Hello. show business. We got Kyle Hilliard. Booth yoga, I call it. Uh, uh, and Sarah Pazorski. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we have a lot of fun things to cover on this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Thank you for watching us on YouTube. If you are, you can always subscribe on your favorite podcast app and vice versa, however you like to absorb us. We appreciate it. Is that what it really is, is absorbing us? Is that the way we should frame it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Sure. Um, we're going to talk about State of Play, what Sony announced in their big State of Play this week. Big? You tell us. Uh, then uh, we are a podcast in the year 2022, so we're going to be talking about Elden Ring, and there's just no way around it. Uh, then Sarah um, threatened our lives if we didn't talk about Kirby and the Forgotten mm-hmm. Land, so we're going to talk about that cool demo. Um, then Kyle threatened Jeffum's life if we didn't talk about Aperture Desk Job, the new game set within the Portal universe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we had to get through all that fun stuff. And then uh, Jenna Garcia is going to join us in the back half of the show for some wonderful questions from the community. Um, we had, I think we might have broken a record this week for the most questions submitted from the community over on Patreon to the point that I think it broke Sarah's brain <laughs> the yeah, first time I you really tapped did. out. Yeah, it's like scrolling and then more scrolling. And they were good questions too, like uh-huh. no overlap. I know it's a very creative I did batch. I down internally, and I was like, you know what? Let's just do it all. All right, so we promise to do everything. You want. That's it. Uh, hey, state of play. It's everything you wanted, unless mm-hmm. that was Final Fantasy 16, in which case it was uh, nothing that you could possibly be hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that Sony teased this thing is they said, "Hey, a new state of play. It's going to be 20 minutes. Uh, it's going to have a special emphasis on our Japanese publisher." So everyone's like. Phew. That Square, baby. It's been a while since this Final Fantasy 16 update. Sarah was on the edge of her seat because it's the same director as Final Fantasy 14. So that alone is getting you interested, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then instead, what do we get, Sarah? We got dinosaurs falling out of a hole in the sky. <laughs> All right. So this is what they open with. They open with which, ex- and by the way, it's it's a normal, not a crisis just a normal thing normal. that happens in that universe. Here's the thing. So they, this was their big opener, is they say, hey, this is a new game from Capcom. It opens with one of what we can only determine is the most iconic images in the history of gaming now. We're talking like Princess Peach's Castle. We're talking Lighthouse and Bioshock. We're talking a giant <laughs> black hole in the sky with um, just a faucet of raptors being turned on and they all fell out of this thing um i believe wasn't there even a reference to like the word crisis in the background kyle was i really missing this i might have missed that okay maybe i was just plugging things into my mind um but everybody in the world thought dinosaurs some lady with red hair capcom this is a new dino crisis and no it's not it's a game called exoprimal from capcom which Jeffem, how would you describe what this game actually is, other than certainly super duper not Dino Crisis Four? Um, I I guess it's just a a giant horde mode where you're fighting an endless stream of dinosaurs. It really seems like they should just put like a big spiky pit under the faucet of the yeah, dinosaurs, and oh, their problems would be solved. But. That's interesting. Yeah, or just like dig a hole to the core of the Earth so the raptors just keep falling, then they just get melted in lava, which is, I think, what took out the dinosaurs to begin with. Yeah, I, was I mean, like, everyone, you know, Left for Dead is sort of the, the qualifier for this genre, right? But I, this... 
Yeah. If you're going to point to one, it's World War Z specifically because it's third person and it also has instead of a faucet of dinosaurs, it has a faucet of zombies. I don't know, man. I was getting more like Anthem vibes from everything they were okay. showing here. So I was actually bracing for impact thinking like if this is the direction of the new Dino Crisis those fans are going to lose their minds if it's like, hey, it's a live service game. It's Dino Crisis 4 instead of a Resident Evil style game, which everybody wants uh, from Dino Crisis. So maybe it's a good thing that it's a new Capcom IP. Exoprimal. Try and keep your new Capcom IPs in your head now. Because what is the other one? I want to say Pragmata. Does anybody remember the name of that uh, Capcom that IP? Right. That they teased a while ago? Pre- Pragmat, Pragmata, the one that was like on the moon and it looked like a Kojima game, but it's not a Kojima game. Look, it's all over yeah. the place. Um, okay, so we got that, everybody. We got Exoprimal. It's not Final Fantasy 16, but boy, it was iconic. Uh, Jeff, what else we got, man? Um, Forspoken. Honestly, hey, if I may, I think it was one of the best looking things here. Uh, Kyle, I know you're yeah. maybe the most excited for it, um, but you're excited well, about that- like running around number yeah. one. That, that reaction is funny, and you're not alone on the internet. I saw a couple people being like, ah, you know, that that's the first time Forspoken looks good. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> I feel like it doesn't look that different from everything I've seen up to this point. It, and I mean that as a compliment. Like, that game yeah. hasn't looked good from the first moment I saw it, but... Now it looks it looks it's looking better and better every time. Yeah, it's the open world action RPG from Square Enix, kind of from the team that was the Final Fantasy 15 team, but everybody's kind of melted away. But I think the core of that group is still very Final Fantasy 15 focused, and so really focusing on maneuverability and all that fun stuff, and uh, just effects up the butt with every spell that they're casting. It just looks ridiculous. But I think this trailer worked for me. It, because it uh, was kind of a counterpoint to some of the messaging that they've had earlier, including like, you know, Kyle and I watched a behind closed doors demo that was like half an hour or something. And the big thing that that taught me was that I am very worried about the amount of talking in this game and just them going to Quip Town USA at and every dull moment. And this trailer didn't really have too much of that. It was just awesome looking effects and cool fighting a dragon in an open world. Admit that it was the triple jump. That got you. Triple <laughs> jump is excellent. It really does look good. It seems like the the next gen signifier is just doing a lot of flashy stuff while you're fighting things now. Because that and Tokyo Ghostwire, which they showed more of, is just kind of like, ooh, look at us. We're we're also fancy in the next gen world. Right. Effects. Yeah. You, you just gotta you gotta attack with style now. I think is is the new bar. Right, right. People aren't really that interested in 3D audio anymore. You have to come up with something new for next gen that should get you excited. And yeah, it's just sparks. More sparks than you could possibly imagine for every spell you could possibly throw. Um, let's see. Kyle, you uh, went Gaga over Gigabash. No, you. Uh, that was another new game they announced. But you went Gaga over a new Returnal content. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I it's it's co-op, but they, you know, they didn't go into too much detail, but I'm assuming the whole game can be played co-op now. And then it looks like there will be some new content as well. And they said a survival mode. Um, survival mode, I'm like, not that interested in. But if there's new like story content connected to that survival mode, I'll, I'll probably play it. Yeah. How much story would you really need, though? I mean, it's going to be some cryptic teases, some flashes around there. I mean, is that going to be enough or just some I mean, more? There's, there are some big 
obviously we're not going to get into returnal spoilers but there are yeah. some big unanswered hanging threads from the end of that game for sure like about uh, Celine's family and her mother specifically so there's there's definitely a ball they could pick up and run with for sure yeah like a survival tower with co-op doesn't seem like the most optimal place to talk about her mother but I don't know well but you could say that about that whole game That's the way true. the story is delivered is so strange like you wouldn't think story I don't know it it can be done well but yeah it I'm excited. I'm excited for new Returnal stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think probably the biggest surprise of this entire state of play for me was they showed a game. They described it as a new game from Square Enix, and they're closing out the whole thing with it. So everybody was thinking maybe they're just being weird, and it's a confusing way of talking about Fantasy 16. Uh, but it's not. It was a game that looked strangely familiar, and then it ended up being confirmed. Look, I'm talking around it. It's a new Valkyrie profile game except it's called Valkyrie Elysium. Um, Valkyrie Profile is an old uh, Enix RPG on the PlayStation 1 that I never played, but I always wanted to. I know Joe Juba, who was on the podcast last week, is a colossal fan. I was even debating... There was, I think there was a sequel on PSP. Like uh, a proper sequel. I want to say a remake right? on PSP, but then a sequel on PS2, but I couldn't be go. wrong right. on both yeah. those things. Silmaria is it on PS2. Okay. Yeah, I've tried Silmaria. I've played that one. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, this game, it, it's got like cell shading. It's going to be on PS4 and PS5. It's super action focused. Um, it's a little odd. There's glimpses of it looking kind of like a platinum game. There's glimpses of it looking like a from software game. Like Kyle, did anything stand out to you about Valkyrie Elysium, other than the amazing uh, spark effects flying all over the screen? I mean, the original game was and was very much a 2D action game, so it's it's weird for it to make this jump to 3D. Um, or, or maybe it's the natural evolution. Maybe that was the only direction to go. Yeah, I, it's cool that they're picking up this, you know, franchise and, and running with it. Like, I remember at some point we're doing a live stream and we're talking about Deepest Dives that we want to do at MinMax and... And I was talking about like, yeah, there's a PS1 RPG that I kind of want to do. And it was Valkyrie Profile. Um, we're not going to do it, to be clear. I mean, I'm not going to rule it out completely, but I, I've always wanted to play the game. And so I just had people in the chat try and guess what PlayStation 1 RPG I was talking about. And it was ridiculous. Everybody was guessing. And it went on for like 15 minutes and nobody got to Valkyrie Profile. And that just like was a sign. That like, okay, then maybe that's a sign that we shouldn't do Valkyrie Profile for the deepest dive because like three people would be super into it. Uh, but I'm excited for this. So they say, what, is it uh, 2022? I think they said for Valkyrie Elysium. So that's interesting. Um, Sarah... <laughs> <laughs> by the way it's very weird because we just recorded our reaction stream to this you can check it out on youtube so it's very weird to roll right from that into this then just be like sarah what did you just react to like uh 10 minutes ago on that stream for another thing that square closed it out with oh i'm interested in this the dio field chronicle game it's another now, square game that's is not, that a, not what we're talking that's what we're talking about that is what we're talking about but you that's want not me to talk about the gundams instead we don't got to talk about those Gundams. Jojo? Did you want to talk about Jojo? <laughs> Look, there, yeah, there's a Jojo Bizarre Adventure fighting game. Genuinely, are you excited for that game? Me? Yeah. Sarah? That's a no. Okay. What? What? All right, that's fine. Um, yeah, the Gundam Evolution. Um, it's like a first-person Overwatch-looking Gundam game designed mm-hmm. exclusively for Sergio Vasquez. But yeah, this this game that it certainly looked like a new Final Fantasy Tactics, and then lo and behold, they say, nay, 
Nay, my dear, this is Diofield Chronicles. That something was the else entire entirely. theme of this presentation. You're like, is that the game, the beloved game from my childhood? And they were like, no, new IP. And you're like, Ugh, they got me again. So they get all the risks of a new IP, but none yeah. of the benefits of making the name familiar Classic to anybody. Franchise. It's yeah. just a really odd strategy. It's a bit of a triangle strategy, if I may. Um, mm. But Diofield Chronicle, it's like, it's tactical, but it seems a little bit more action-based than Final Fantasy Tactics or something. It's not grid-based, but it mm. seems like they're kind of playing with some of those themes again, but it doesn't look like it's set in Ivalice or anything. Um, Diofield Chronicle. I know it's the oldest complaint in the book, but Square is blowing it with these names. Also, I think it's the Diofield Chronicle. Uh, you know what? I said they were blowing it. I take it back. Add the the, now we're in business. Now it's a billion dollar franchise. I mean, they're, they're specifically just trying to find things that can be Googled easily. Like that. <laughs> they're just like they're optimizing for SEO. Together. They won't have to bid against other people yeah. to optimize it. Well, that sounds great. But I mean, there's about, no way the DOFieldChronicles.com is not available, right? <laughs> like, what about, do you, think, do you think TriangleStrategy.com was taken, Kyle? Oh, that's... <laughs> Let's see, okay. TriangleStrategy.com. Yeah, the Triangle Strategy Group, unlocking the potential of your business together. And then they have mm. a quote from The Art of War on their official page as well. Oh, I, right. I honestly just feel like uh, people are enjoying uh, Triangle Strategy now that it's out and all that stuff, but the name just sucks so hard. I really think it's turning off a lot of people who might be on board for something like an Octopath Traveler. Maybe it's perfect. Explains exactly what that game is to a certain degree, right? You know what? Maybe we'll see the sales uh, data come back and we'll all have to admit defeat and it was actually perfect. Uh, uh, let's see. This was really... It was wild how it was all square, nearly all square, but then no Final Fantasy except for Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, which they showed a new trailer for. Kyle, how would you describe the arc of sentiment about Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin? Um, It went to... This looks stupid. Yeah. With that tone, like this looks stupid. To this looks stupid. Yes. Like that, yes. those are the tone changes. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. I think like at some point people just got super on board for like okay, kind of like a campy, nomurified from software game. Somehow people are just completely on board for it at this point. And to be fair, the trailer looks good. Like the action looks interesting. I think it's going to be a weird. I want to say cult hit, but I'm sure it's going to sell well. Like a from software style game with the Final Fantasy name on it, but it's set up just, for a weird I just reception. I don't know where the turn happened where it was like people stopped taking it seriously. Like, what was the switch? I guess it was just the protagonist talking about chaos so much. Well, I Wasn't think it, it the part where he like walks away with his phone and like he goes bullshit and then he walks away with his phone and he starts playing music? Didn't he play like Link yeah, Biscuit? Why, why, yeah. It's just that yeah, weird question, yeah. that unanswerable question of like, why is that embraced and not... Oh, like, now this is good. Now this I think is it's, the yeah. good kind of bad. It's because it, it implies that they're very aware of it. Like, no sincere video game trailer is going to end with the character listening to a Limp Biscuit song on his phone. So that was just like, <laughs> that basically it's the same as if Nomura came on the screen and it just zoomed in on his face and he just winked a bunch of times. And that's all you need to know to be like, okay. You guys are yeah, cool. Yeah, but like everyone hates the devil's third. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> I think it was because it was sincere. I think it, they were like they were trying to be cool with devil's third, 
and they're not with Stranger of Paradise? I, I, I'm not even saying everyone's wrong or anything. It's just a weird thing to analyze. It's like, what? how did they figure that out? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Uh, there's a new demo uh, out now, and the game is coming out. This can't be right. March 18th? 18th right? No. Yeah, it, next week. Next week this game's <laughs> coming out. March is just bananas. Uh, that's basically it for the state of play. Um, hopefully nobody was too crushed. Any other highlights that we missed here? I, I'm genuinely excited for that Ninja Turtles collection because yeah. it has it has the Game Boy game that I played like when I only had like three Game Boy games. I had Tetris, Mario Land 2, and Teenage Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Back from the Sewers were like the three <laughs> Game Boy games I started my video game journey with, and it's going to be on that collection. So uh, hell yeah, I'll play that. Can, there you go. So can you play online multiplayer for that Game Boy game? Do you know? That one was a single-player game, specifically. Okay. You could choose different turtles, but it was a single-player game. That'll but be it does. It will have online for like the arcade game and stuff like that. Huh. Yeah, so 2022 for a bunch of old Ninja Turtles brawlers. So you can go right from playing Shredder's Revenge into playing some more Turtles games. So I guess it's... <laughs> you can play that and then be like, oh, these do not play well. <laughs> <laughs> these uh, have aged poorly. <laughs> except for the soundtracks. Uh, hey, Sarah, can yeah. we talk about something that's just designed to be loved instead of these games that we can pick apart from these trailers let's mm-hmm, freaking mm-hmm. let's talk about this kirby and the forgotten land please mm-hmm. a game designed to be loved and to love you back yeah it is just like the switch cartridge is just like if you had a little bundle of pure love and you're able to mm-hmm. insert that into your switch that is kirby and the forgotten land uh they released a demo that uh, we both played through you streamed and <laughs> i tuned into your stream because i'm like i saw that you were at the end of the demo, and I'm like, I'm curious what she does when she finishes this demo because it's super short. And then you just went back and played it again because you're a maniac. No, I didn't go back and play it again. I played it again <laughs> co-op mode by myself, two joy cons, one see. hand, and it was worth <laughs> right. every pay. It was worth it. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, what'd you think of Kirby in the Forgotten Land? I just... What a what a switch to flip when like I have only been playing Elden Ring for yeah. the past couple like, yes. weeks or so, and then you pick up like I think everyone who's playing Elden Ring and like hustling and like busting their ass trying to get through it should put it down immediately and go pick up the Kirby demo yeah. and play that. Remember and just play that for a little bit because the dissonance I felt like trying to play Kirby like I was like it's like it. I kept comparing it to Elden Ring, but it's right. not. It's a, so somehow it's a different game. Although, yeah. to be fair, you have the choice of playing Kirby and the Forgotten Land in Spring Breeze mode or Wild mode. Wild and mode. if you put it in Wild mode, hold on to your ass because this thing, <laughs> this thing rips, Jeff. Uh, no, it's the easiest game, no demand, <laughs> based on the first three levels at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing, Sarah. I understand yeah. Kirby is a beloved icon. He's up there with a dinosaur faucet, but. <laughs> I think a lot of people have... Uh, Farrah Fawcett's uh, sibling? <laughs> That's Sorry. right. Um, a lot of people have, are like ascribing this game so much potential and so much hope. And after playing that demo, I just I just want to cool people's jets a little bit. Maybe I'm nuts, but like, hey, this, this ain't no Super Mario Odyssey, everybody. This is a Kirby game no, with no, a slightly different perspective. Yeah. So please get your expectations somewhere realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, outside of it being cute, were you... Impressed by the gameplay, turn it into that car, uh, turn it into the, I don't know, whatever it was, vending machine? I, I mean, I guess I was impressed with how it actually, you know, because normally Kirby just, like, gains abilities. Right. I'll be honest, it was kind of fun to be a car. 
Yeah. I enjoyed being a car. Like, I enjoyed being a vending machine in a traffic cone much more than I thought I was going to. Right. It was a, it was a joy to play. Yes. Do, are you excited to play through the entire thing when it comes out? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. We heard yes, it. But did you know? We heard it. Wait, wait, wait. Did you know when you play co-op mode, guess what happens to Waddle D when you turn into a car? Um, oh, does he like stand on the top? I played co-op mode and I don't even remember. Is he just he, like holds on to the back of the car? Oh, that's cute. It's it gets dragged. It's adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's when funny. this game was first revealed, everybody was focusing on like weird. It's like post-apocalyptic. What is this city? Yeah, no, and it's still weird. I I still don't get it. it. The weirdest part though is it's like I think it's supposed to be a take on Seattle because there's like a yeah, space yeah. needle there's and there's a coffee shop in the background. Yeah, yeah, so it's like this is just The Last of Us Part 2 in Kirby's world now. It's really bizarre for the theme they're going for. Hmm. Also, is this common knowledge? Um, I didn't know until this demo. They had a little factoid that popped up that Kirby's Homeworld, do you know what it's called, Kyle? Popstar, Planet Popstar. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know? Planet Popstar. <laughs> yeah. I've never I've never heard that. Planet Popstar is such a good name for a homeworld. <laughs> It turns out Kirby is good, everybody. Uh, that game's coming out uh, March 25th. So you can take a break from Stranger of Paradise and jump into Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Run, don't walk. Um, okay, let's let's do a little more mopping up of these small things before we get to uh, Big Papa, as the game prefers to be called, I think. Um, Kyle, there's a game that Valve released last week called Aperture Desk Job, uh, which is supposed to be... Kind of a tech demo for the Steam Deck, but it is free yeah. and you can play it without a Steam Deck. And it's set in the portal universe. Controller, though, I, th- I think. But, yeah, yeah, it's really weird to have like a Valve game where it pops up at the beginning and they're very clearly trying to encourage you to use a controller. They have like the, the buttons on the screen and stuff like that. It's like, what a weird time for Valve. Um, but it's set in the portal universe and it's completely free for everybody. It's like 30 minutes long. Uh, Kyle, hot take. What'd you think of Aperture Desk Job? I freaking loved it yeah like <laughs> yeah it's like it's not even like this like uh gameplay showcase really at all i it steam i i'm i'm a little bummed i couldn't play it on steam deck don't have a steam deck yet um but it was this it was this weird moment where i was like oh yeah let me i'm excited for this let me check this out and jk simmons starts talking yeah. as cave johnson with new new dialogue and immediately i just was like huge smile on my face i'm like oh my god it feels so good to be in the portal universe, even for just like 30 minutes. Like, and it's so funny. Yeah. And it's so weird. And to top it all off, the robot that you play as Grady or you play with, he's like your sort of uh, boss, I guess you could say <laughs> he's played by this comedian, uh, Nate Bargatze, who is like my favorite stand-up comedian. Right really? Now. Like he has a couple. Yeah. Yeah. He has a couple of Netflix specials. I like highly recommend them. Uh, and he's, and his like, he's not an actor, but like, I don't know his his he I don't know I just feel like he slotted in perfectly for his like voice yeah. for this character and you're like testing toilets and he tries to turn a toilet into a gun and it's, it's just really so, it's so funny and it's it's really it's it's kind of passive but it's like perfect because it's just like hey here's a bunch of portal two caliber dialogue just listen to it for 30 minutes and not and not to spoil anything but there is some like lore uh, <laughs> there is. stuff in the end that's like exciting and funny and cool yeah i'm totally with you where i went in just like ah, we'll see what this is like uh, and i'm always skeptical i think it's really tough for a game that's as funny as the portal games to release something new in that universe because like i'm gonna be judging that writing so hard but 
absolutely on the writing caliber of Portal 2, just for this little 30-minute chunk. You know, Eric Wolpaw's in the credits, so I assume that he was heavily involved uh, for the writing of this thing again. But, like, just that opening where, what's the what's that actor's name? Uh, his, well, the Nate Bargatze is the okay. comedian actor. The character's name is Grady. Okay. And it's just that perfect Stephen Merchant-esque delivery from robots in the Portal universe where it's just a lot of ums. It all sounds so natural and almost boring but still compelling at the it same works. time i was completely on board I just, he talks for like a, a while about he like compliments your tattoo and just goes on this tirade about the tattoo yeah he he's wants. obsessed with tattoos <laughs> it's so funny it really is great and like uh, right in the beginning they're setting you up and teaching you how to do your job of inspecting toilets um in aperture and then he has a line where he goes the only important thing is to have fun on your own time before you come in <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's really it's really good um yeah. no i will i will totally play it again when i get my steam deck like it's it's it, there's no reason not to play it it's like watching an episode of television basically it, it's weird too it made me think of like you know obviously valve has tried smaller content before with the half-life 2 episodes and it made me think that like this is the avenue that i want valve to go in or just big companies to go in is short little interesting preferably comedic experiences that seems ideal for episodic structure instead of trying to make like episodic action games where the development of all these new systems and gameplay that's what's going to take time so many of these are just like static environments but then just get some new writing in there like if valve released one of these every six months i'd be in heaven yeah it's i guess a- i don't know i would still would like like a proper a, a proper Portal Two, it you know the other the other sort of weird thing that happened with this is like I've never really felt like we needed Portal Three, right? Totally yeah. happy with Portal Two and where it ended, and this actually made me kind of be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I I would like a, another proper you know eight to twelve hour Portal game. It doesn't have to have um, Chell, but like this really made me want to be in that world again it was so nice to be in there even for just 30 minutes yeah and if you don't have a steam deck it is a little bit weird which by the way we have a min max steam deck supposedly on the way it's they Mm. said quarter one 2022 and i haven't gotten that email yet and i'm starting to panic here um but the weird thing is if you don't have a steam deck there's a lot of situations where you can play through this but there's stuff like okay this is the part where you sign your name this is the part where you say your name into the microphone and it's like Okay, obviously I'm supposed to be using the touchpad on the Steam Deck, but now I guess I'll just use my mouse. Or they want me to use gyro controls, but that's just optional. So there's a couple little funky bits where, if you didn't know what the Steam Deck was, it'd kind of be confusing. But uh, do you think did we, we meant? Did we mention it's free? Like it's just yeah. a totally free download. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Um, I haven't heard any other podcast talk about it yet. I, I hope it's not under the radar. I know it's such a small little thing, but like if you like Portal, you should really play Aperture Desk Job. Just just take a little time for it. Um, also really made 100%. me miss um, Stanley Parable. Remember they announced that they were making that new version of Stanley Parable several years ago and it's still not out? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. With that. Hey man. <laughs> Genius takes time. Genius takes time. Yeah, it. It um, also, well, never mind. I don't want to get into spoilers for Aperture Dust Jump, but there are parts of it where I'm like, this feels wacky even for the Portal universe. Like this is, like it kind of goes off the rails in a delightful way, but... Yeah. Anyways, that's it. Um, hey, Jeff, what have you been playing, man? Uh, about 80 hours of Elden Ring. <laughs> Is it oh, really 80 boy, hours? 80? Yeah, I, uh, I, the timer <laughs> says probably like 85 hours, oh which I my think is God. a little overestimating since you can't, you can't pause. There have definitely been times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go stand in a corner in this cave while I 
tend to my real life child. Really hug my child. Hold on. Right, yeah. right. Imprint yep. on them, all but, that fun stuff. But it's, Jeff, did, it's did you see that someone they did find a pause option if you go into your inventory? I did. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you if you go through like five menus, you can actually pause it, which would pause be really help, so helpful during a boss battle, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so here's the thing: we posted a standalone discussion uh, from the Minimax Studio last week where we got into a lot of specifics. So if you're looking for some specifics in an Eldering discussion, you can check that out. I'm sure we'll talk more about this game in the future. Let's try and keep this spoiler-free from any big reveals. Sarah, your eyebrows are hinting that that's impossible. I, I don't think... I'm I'm only 20 hours in, so yeah. I don't even know most of the spoilers. But just I, like, like, just beat the second big boss, so I don't... Ooh. I'm, like, literally still in, like, Babies R Us land, I think. I mean, I haven't beat the third boss yet. Anyways, but just, I think, like, some of the magical discoveries along the way, I think, like, those types of specifics, I think it's easy enough to dodge that. We're still talking about where we're at for this game. Um, so I am uh, 45 hours in. I'm level 70. Um, and I know it, it seems like a weird pivot that we haven't really addressed on the podcast uh, in a real way, but I freaking love this game. I would like to formally apologize to all from software fans for not listening to you earlier. Um, I admit that I was wrong. Um, this game is <laughs> truly magical, and I'm so glad got, that it worked for me. I guess I enjoyed your guys' discussion about it. Oh, I listened thanks. to it, Hanson. And the funny thing about it is it, it was less... It, I mean, there's certainly there was a lot of you like coming around on Elden Ring and, and mm-hmm. finding things to love about, but it was also a lot of you like coming around on from software mechanics and like really trying learning to understand how like a lot of basics will work for from software games, which I think is interesting. Yeah. That's the thing is as much as I love this game. And I think if I could impart one message, it's please don't be scared of this game. I mean, I have had 13 years of everybody screaming about from software games being impossible. Don't even try. Oh, get good. All this stuff. I was expecting this game to be so, so much harder than it really is. Like, uh, obviously, people I, have talked about it, the idea of the open world, being able to run back and go anywhere you want if you're beating your head up against a wall. Like, I genuinely haven't really been frustrated yet in 45 hours. It's just been fun. I, Yeah, I honestly think that... I, I don't know that I would describe from software games as difficult like they're obviously it's there's some level of difficulty but i think i think the thing that people get hung up on is that dying in those games is just part of the core gameplay loop right and it, but i think i think most people when they play games if if they sit down with a from software game they die like five times in a row and they think oh this game's too hard i'm not good at it and then therefore they shut it off but really like if you if you're dying that many times you're playing the game right the the question really is just you know like Okay, I've I've died so many times I can't count, but I've gotten to the next bonfire, or I finally beat that boss, and you know, like I figured out how it attacks. I've leveled up over the course of this. Like I got a huge, you know, haul of runes, and then I cashed them in for some better weapons or those kind of things. Like that's where the progression. And I think what makes it why I wouldn't call it difficult is it it makes it very clear how you how you can progress, how you can get better, how you can continue on with the overall journey in a way like like the first time we talked about it i yeah would, i'd probably played 30 hours or whatever and i, I beat my head against that margit fight you know and yep. then i and i realized like i just shouldn't be doing this right now and i just went and i traveled across like the entire continent or what i thought was the entire continent at the time and then when i came back like i beat him on the first try and then i blew through godric on the first try and then i spent another 
40 hours or whatever. I haven't I haven't even gone to the next legacy dungeon. I don't even really? know what the next legacy dungeon is. Like I've, what? I've played through I've fought a ton of bosses. I've done just like so much stuff. It's ridiculous in this game and this is this is why I'm totally smitten with it too is just like I've done so much stuff and I've gotten so many amazing experiences out of it and like I still have the other four like I'm 20% through I guess in terms of like counting the overall main goal of what you're doing but I think that's part of the fun is just exploring the world and even having moments like you know having taken out the second boss um now I'm just in that area of like I don't even know where I'm supposed to be going yet and that is the fun part of this game is just pushing into new territory, seeing how far can I get here? Does it feel like I'm supposed to be here? I think this is okay. This is doable, but hang on. Should I actually be over here just poking around the edges as you slowly expand the conquerable world uh, based on your skill level? It's just so fun. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like, I've uncovered so much of the map, and then, like, the past couple days I've been playing, I went to the Weeping Peninsula, which is, like, which I guess should have been like my next stop because I'm I'm over leveled for it now. But yeah. it's like there's so much just in Limgrave that I haven't explored yet that I'm going back to now. It's it's really like once you get that big, like the big you know, country or or region, like just going to every little spot you know on the map which aren't marked, but it's just like I can tell there's probably something there, or I should just run along this beach and find what I find, and it's always some surprise. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, are you digging it? Yeah, I like, I booted it up and I played for four hours and I was like, I could feel it. I was like, oh no, I'm like, <laughs> what if this is my game of the year? Like oh, I had no. that moment where I was like, oh go oh, God. Cause the, the design <laughs> is there. Like the world is so well populated. Like you never really feel like you've hit a sparse area. You can go anywhere and find something. You know, there's no rails. Like, if it's too hard or if you don't want to go past that scary thing, go around, go do right. something else. Like, it's just, wow. Like, what a, what a joy to play. Even when I'm, you know, I, I feel like a god at some points. And then, like, five seconds later, immediately humbled. Yep. Multiple yep. times by a boss or an enemy. And it's like, that's just, it's just good design that I feel like I haven't run into in a while. Yeah, and I think there's something, too, because you're streaming... A lot or all of your experience mm-hmm. with it, Sarah? Yeah, I've streamed most of it. Like, I, probably it, all of it. I think this is where my recommendation, I think it's a little bit hairy, but streaming this game has really been amazing. Like, the community is so supportive, and I don't think it's just the MinMax community, even though they're all great. But I think it's largely just like the From Software community. You can see it a lot in the messages. The messages that don't say try finger butthole and uh, try jumping. But like, there's just a sense of everybody being so eager to get other people engaged with the game. And I think that really comes through when you're streaming, especially like having the MinMax community be like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Oh, make sure to optimize this part. Look over there. And it's not like in a jerky way. Everyone's just so encouraging. There's so many little tidbits. And so that has been really critical to my enjoyment of this game. And so I know that Streaming it from an audience or for an audience is not exactly for everybody, but just having some community, some Discord, some friend that's a From Software game, I think will elevate your experience with this game in a huge way. Yeah, when I was streaming, I had just beat a pretty big boss with my axe, and I got another axe, and I was like, oh, I love axes. Like, I'm an all-strength build. My endurance is higher than my health. Like, I'm all in. And someone was like, oh, did you know that you can wield two axes? Like two great axes, and I was like, I can what? <laughs> and I've literally never looked back. I've oh been two God. great axes running around this entire time. That's awesome. I uh, I got the uh, I am 
going with the Vagabond and I have the basic Halberd. And then like, you know, the first thing that you can encounter is that Tree Sentinel, the big horse guy, right? If you kill him, you get the Golden Halberd. And so eventually I then was able to equip that weapon. It is ridiculous. I love that thing so much. And I feel like I'm breaking the game with how good that is at times. And I have it like the gold halberd plus five. Like I get into these combos and this was, you know, I'm level 70 now, but this was even like level 50 or 45 or so. I could still just get into the combos where it's like, okay, I do 400, 700, 1100, 1100, 1100. Like it's just ridiculous damage. And it's so fun to have that at a range. And so it's kind of like, it feels like Monster Hunter, right, Sarah? Where it's like, you find your weapon. It's like, I don't want to see anything else. I am just mm-hmm. all in on this weapon. This has to be the best, even though I'm sure smarter from software fans would recommend actually exploring a little bit because there's fun stuff everywhere. Kyle, what are you, what's yeah. going on with you? You've played the most and you're the quietest. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I just crossed the 109 hour mark last night. Jesus I have, Christ. I have the full map now. Okay. Which I only and like I only just got. And um I am I am hitting a point now where I'm I can't go off and really level up anymore. And I am hitting some walls with some bosses. What level and are I, you? To, uh 105, I think. And um, I'm over here in like the 40s and I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. so strong. <laughs> and I mean, the thing, but the thing that the thing about it is like you can you can call in people to help you. And I've right, been leaning right. on that a lot. Like I hit the thing like I, I'm still a weirdo and that like I don't really love bosses. Like I just I get so frustrated with them. And like, yeah, and I've and I've hit I'm hitting a point now where even on some of the bosses, that I, I have like two that I'm working on right now. Like I'm kind of going back and forth. And even when I call in people to help, we're still both dying. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and, they're, like, and they're mainline, you're sure? Like you have to do it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. like hearing that. I'm scared now. But I mean, I don't, but I don't want to scare you away because like maybe it just, just keep calling in people, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you have like, it's, I had this experience last night with a very late game boss uh, no spoilers, but like I called in this guy and usually you just sprint to the uh, fog gate, but this guy was like jumping in a corner and I was like, what's going on? And he like did this clearly not supposed to do it, like jumped on this, uh, gravestone and then jumped around the corner. And I was like, where's he going? He must be trying to show me a secret. So I was trying to do the same jump. He wasn't failing miserably. And I was doing it for like two minutes. And then all of a sudden I got a trophy. It was like, the boss has been defeated. It took him like two seconds. He went around the back and like <laughs> stabbed this like really late game boss for me. Didn't swing a sword once. And I was like, the fact that that's like an option, like for me, who's getting frustrated with a lot of these bosses is just like stellar. But then I also have hit other bosses where I'm calling in people and they die like immediately. And I'm like, oh God, I appreciate the help, but you've been totally useless. Thank you for nothing. Go back to your own universe, you coward. <laughs> but but yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I can't imagine anything really unseating it for game of the year, no. even though I'm like, you know, I'm very excited for first spoken and stuff like that. I it's It's just been, it's just been a total joy. But I, I certainly still have my annoyances with, with from stuff there is getting revealing the final section of the map is very unwieldy and if you can do mm. it without looking it up online which i did i'll totally happily admit that i did i i would be surprised interesting okay i don't even want to know what area of the map that is um yeah there's there's things that obviously are frustrating and still yeah. confusing and every once in a while i think like what, what what would this game be like if we cared about the npcs or the larger story in any way 
Like, I understand, like, there's an interesting uh, quote from Miyazaki recently where he said, oh, you know, the player's gameplay is the story of this game. It's like, yes, great. That is the way games should yeah. be, by and large. I love that. Um, but still, at the same time, every time an NPC talks, I realize I'm not going to get anything out of this. I feel like I might as well not even <laughs> talk to these weirdos. Yeah, that's, I couldn't tell you really. I, I did, the closest I got, there was like, I found a character, Gowry, who told me about a woman who was like poisoned, and I went and saved her. And that was like the closest thing I got to like a narrative where I was like, okay, two characters I can identify and I gave her an item that saved her. But like beyond that, I, I could not begin to tell you what's happening in that game. And it, like, I think I mean, we said this in the last discussion we had about it, but it's a testament to that game yeah. that I don't care. Like the, I, don't know, I think though, there's a lot of there under the surface that I can really delve into and I don't and I'm still having a great experience. I like I care more than I cared in Dark Souls to kind of figure out what's going on. Like yeah. I played Dark Souls three and I was like, I don't know anything about that game. But I feel like if you ask me about Elden Ring, like I talked to a character and they were like giving me the drama about the bosses. They were like, oh, yeah, like they used oh, to right. be married and then he <laughs> left her. And I was like, he left her. And they're like, yeah. And then he went and he became someone else's husband. And I'm like, the king's consort. I was like, oh, my God, tell me more. <laughs> like, we didn't get that in Dark Souls 3, right? But, like, right. some of the NPCs really just spill the tea, and you're, like, delicious. And then you go and you, you kill her. Uh, and you're like, sorry, your husband left. <laughs> Anyways. Also, you're weird, and the moon is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop pulling like, knives out of your swords <laughs> out of yourself. What are you doing? And the beating of the dead horse when it comes to fingers... In this game, what? can we talk? Like, I get that it's Elden Ring, but they were they really went like Elden Ring rings, fingers, fingers, everything is fingers, finger monsters, finger <laughs> items, finger spells, finger <laughs> friends. Then you like, come across NPCs, it's just old women being like, hey, Have you oh. seen more fingers? More fingers for me. It's like, what oh, yeah, is finger gods? Like, <laughs> praise the fingers. And you're like, Okay, like, I get it. I, I know that it was a ring game, but there's so many fingers in it. <laughs> And then there's hand enemies with even more fingers. You cannot. Oh, those, oh my God. I love those, those little stinkers. Um, I still am trying to wrap my mind around that idea of a game where everybody says, yeah, the story, it's confusing or irrelevant, but it's just amazing that it's not a ding. Like you're saying, Kyle, like it's somehow it's just like the game, the story is so subtle that it's not like embarrassing anyway, which normally you say a video game story yeah. is bad or incomprehensible. That means, okay, it's very obnoxious and it's uh, in your face and it's bringing the game down. In this case, it's almost elevating it in a way just because it makes things more yeah. mysterious and subdued. I mean, I think the secret, which is not like new to Elden Ring, like all their games are like this, is like if you want the story, if you want to see what's happening there, you can go find it. You probably have to use the internet and it's yeah. there. But it's not going to impede your progress if you're not interested at all. Right, right. Um, and I, I think it also is the world building that they do. And it's just, you, you, you don't understand a lot about the story, but you understand the places that you're going really well. Yeah. You get a real sense of like what's going on there. And beyond that, like in terms of a hero's journey of... Well, I go to a lot of places, see a lot of weird things, and fight a bunch of big monsters. Like that's, that's all it. people really need. Yeah. Which you know, I think the most magical part of this game, well, is really that everybody can kind of cater it to how they want to play. And for me, like I really just love treating it like it's a new Shadow of the Colossus game. Like we know that Miyazaki's a big fan of Ueda and his past work. We have an interview coming up on Friday at Min Max uh, where they touch on that. By the way, so stay tuned for that. But um, but just like the amount of like 
shattered bridges in this game and it's like oh just beautiful environments running with your horse over a hill and you see some giant big thing and then just knowing like okay it's just a series of boss fights in a big interesting open world um and the boss fights are gigantic and somehow sometimes incomprehensible uh what you're looking at it's just it is perfect it is what i want from a sequel to shadow of the colossus like every time you see one of those giant turtles with the bells like are you kidding me it's just awesome i love it uh it's it's an incredible game uh if you're not playing it i you should at least give it a try just give it just give it a whirl um sarah you indicated that the performance maybe isn't great on pc or how's it running for you i've had a few frame rate issues but they're not like game breaking like sometimes my game will just lag and then when i play online I've gotten, like, kicked off the server twice. Huh. Just, like, Mm. kicked to the menu. Um, So I actually, because of that, I haven't been playing online as much because it just keeps randomly kicking me out. And, like... That's a bummer. It's it's such a different experience playing offline because, you know, things are a little bit... There's no messages littering the ground. Like, like, there's no fake wall messages. (laughs) There's no, like, blood stains. So then... After, like, playing, I want to say, like, 20 hours offline, going online for the first time was so jarring. I'm like, what is all this stuff littering the ground? It's obnoxious. And then there's bloodstains everywhere, and you're like, why are people dying here? (laughs) Like, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, like, so there must be a big boss here. There's a lot of bloodstains. And then somebody said in my chat, they were like, remember, Sarah, you're better than the bloodstains. And I was like, that's such a good (laughs) advice because I didn't die there. (laughs) interesting so, yeah it's just such, such a different experience not playing online yeah it is so weird like having this be the first from software game that i've really gotten into just i wasn't expecting it to almost have like a baked in walkthrough uh because of all the messages and stuff like it is wild just to be exploring caverns it's like on your right look up mm-hmm. uh ambush item on here. the left yeah item mm-hmm. here yeah although mm-hmm. that can be a little bit a lot of these people are a little bit cheeky with their messages <laughs> with this item thing. I've been duped a couple times, but yeah, are you guys it, are it you is, leaving messages? I'm not. No, I I would. It, I don't. Qu- I thought you were getting a health bonus if someone gives you a thumbs up on your message. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you do, but is it health? I don't know. I but it's like if someone appraised or like appraised it positively, your health would like you'd gain a little bit of yeah. health. Really? So if you were like, I saw a tweet where someone was like, I was in a boss fight and somebody liked my message and it kept me from dying. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah so but because I don't of that, I, I've started leaving messages everywhere even if it's the same message i'll just someone's like item on right i'll be like okay i'm gonna add that too (laughs) because on a different server maybe someone will see Uh, that boring Uh. come on be creative talk about a finger talk about buttholes come on if it's not useful which i which is like i think really cool like i that wasn't a thing in the previous games where you got bonuses for people appraising your messages as far as i know i don't think they were but it is that like it's that thing where it's like rewarding positivity it's a strand game is what I'm saying. Oh, and it's like, no! oh, I yes, get it now. It is. Don't say that. I get it. But I, now. I, I like that. And it, all, and it means that like you, I do see fewer like lies because there is, there's a, yeah, the farther you get, the messages do increase in quality. Yeah. Significantly. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, but I always, well, always hit the wall when someone says there's no wall there a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> just to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jake Zielsdorf submitted a question over on Patreon. He says, hey, is Elden Ring revealing that the magic of Breath of the Wild's open world was never about the physics or the climbing or any other aspect, but the sheer amount of surprising bespoke content? Yes. 
I believe in some ways that's a that's an interesting correct take. I get wait, so repeat repeat what they said that it's not about the physics? The magic of Breath of the Wild's open world was never about the physics or the climbing or any other aspect, but the sheer amount of surprising bespoke content. Is that ultimately what we want from an open world? Is just that experience of running around and saying, what's over there? What's in there? Oh my God. And then having it almost always pay off with something surprising. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I want. And like, not like in some games, the surprise is like a quest to another quest to another quest. And I like that from software. It's just like, here's the item. You looked around the corner, you went into the cave, you killed some stuff. Here it is. You don't have to go on like a wild goose chase for it. Right. So I think that's also what I really enjoy. Yeah, I think um, it's it's odd. Obviously, the Breath of the Wild comparisons, everybody's going to run around with those um, in a thousand different ways. But I do think that's what it is. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of debate has been had this week about UI and open worlds. And like, could you just, if you played Horizon with all the UI off, would it feel a little bit more like this? But I think there's something, there's something more going on here in terms of just rewarding curiosity. And it's just... It just is bizarre how much more engaged you are with this world and eager to explore it and feeling like a character in this world than any other open world game that's come out this year. This last, I mean, last several years, but this year in particular, it just feels like there's so many open world games already. And this one just feels night and day different. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the surprises. And I think we mentioned it the last time we talked about it, but the fact that everything's dangerous in this game and anything can kill you. Yes. At least me pay so much more attention to everything. You know, like I use that telescope all the time when I'm going into places where it's like, what is that over there? I can't tell. Like I'm going to zoom in and like try and figure out what that is. And it's, I, I think that that just kind of builds into it. It's, it's not, you know, like the touristy, I'm just running around and having lots of fun as I go to these different places and being surprised because, oh, there's a there's a chest over there or whatever. It's like everything's really dangerous and everything is its own trial. And, and you come out of everything with this sense of achievement. And yeah. The fact that they give you so much of that is still just blowing my mind every time I play. Now, this telescope y'all mentioned, I have not used that once. Am I blowing it? Did I miss an no, item? No, I, I used it once and immediately after I put it away, I fell off a cliff and died. <laughs> <laughs> because and I never telescope? took it out again. Smart, really it's, smart. It's a bit of a clunky mechanism for sure. Um, but I, I have it as it's one of my game. like quick save. Yeah, it's it's one of it's in my pouch of like you know. Quick I call that items my hot pocket. My hot pocket. Cute. You know, that's where yeah. all your summons go. Your hot pocket. Yeah. Smart. What um? What do you use it for though? I don't understand. You're just like looking into a cave, or you're just looking on the horizon to just, figure out. Yeah, wh- whenever it's like an enemy or something that I can't tell what it is because it's you know like so far away I, I like using the bow a lot so it's like okay what is that thing i don't mm. want to just start shooting because you never know if you're gonna shoot an npc start or something yeah what yeah. um it's so crazy i mean 45 hours into this game i just got a pop-up on the screen saying hey here's how to use a bow like i hadn't equipped a bow or that anything happened to me too well yeah. it's so bizarre how like now it's like it i seems think like it must have been where me. you were on the map I think it was map location based. Where were you? I mean, I was you in Limgrave. I was super far north. Yeah, I was not. I was not I in Limgrave. I mean, it's random. Though. I mean, the the Stormvale Castle in front. I mean, there's people with uh, bows there. Not bows. Um, what are they called? Crossbows. Uh, crossbows. Crossbows, which yeah. is what I use primarily. And it's like sometimes someone one of those guys will drop it. It's just kind of random. 
You guys are using bows? No. Kyle. Nah, I just go in there double axes. Hell yeah. Well, no, the crossbow is nice, at least, well, or maybe the bow for Jeff. But if, if there's a group that hasn't noticed you yet, you can use it to, to kite people out and take them on one by one. Just get their oh, attention. Okay. Yeah, usually I, I haven't used the bow too much in from software's games, but it's I have the long bow, and it is ridiculous how far out you can like target people. Huh. And then the, the secondary ability is Mighty Shot, which uses a little bit of FP and it does way more damage. And bows or arrows are like 20 runes a piece when you go to, uh, you know, like a merchant and it's unlimited. A s- absolute so it's like, steal. I just, I just buy what a deal. 600 of the, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. $2,000 for a hundred or whatever. And so it's, that's better than trying to use projectile magic, you know, which drains your FP more. So. Right, right. Ian T. Clark watching us live, uh, which, by the way, you can watch us live every Wednesday at the Backstage Pasture if you're if you're interested, if you're so inclined. It's the ultimate early access. It's like milliseconds away from really sitting here with us. Anyways, the point is, was that a good spiel, Jeffem? No, no, Okay, all. great. Ian T. Clark <laughs> uh, has a question for Backstage Pass. He says, hey, everybody, uh, what is the most number of runes you've lost so far? Ooh. Uh, in, a, in a run. I think um, I like... Oof. I almost, <laughs> there's something funny. Like, I just have to prepare my mind for that if I lose a crap ton of runes, I just have to laugh at it. It's just, it's always this feeling of just like, oh, you stinker of a game. Like, I haven't thrown a controller yet. Probably like 18,000, somewhere around there for, for what I've lost so far. I mean, that, like Jeff was saying earlier, like, you have to learn that death is part of the gameplay loop. Right. Something Dan Tack taught me, like, Dark Souls 2 was the first one that I finished. And he kind of really helped guide me through that. Beautiful. Was like, have to like, runes aren't that big a deal because like, you can lose a ton, but there's, there's going to be like way more around the corner. And once you sort of embrace that, like, I feel like it's a lot less stressful. Yeah. Especially because I've gotten the situation too, of every time I'm getting up there in runes, I got like my sweet little farming spot, which I don't think this is a a big surprise for anybody, but it's always like the war master's shack. You go there and then there's that cliff with the five trolls and I just go and yeah, just run through, collect 5,000 runes immediately. So I'm always like, if I'm getting up there in runes, I'll just go there, level up, offload all that stuff. And so like, that was great at the beginning of the game. And at this point still, if I'm like, oh, I need an easy 5,000 just to level up, I'll just run over there real quick. And it's just, it's such a relief that like how often in an RPG can you still farm things from the beginning of the game and it's still like incredibly useful it's crazy well i mean not anymore for me i mean i'm at the point now i've lost like 40 or 50 at a time and oh. like, that wasn't even that's like not even a that's not halfway to a new well, level we're not <laughs> like, all as cool really as you kyle point, come you know? on i don't know jeff are you screaming at the tv when you lose some runes uh no i think probably twenty thousand is about the most I've lost, but I I have found a better farming spot than you. So oh, really? Yeah, it's and it's it's weird. It's it's part of it's part of a quest for the um, the first guy you meet outside the cave who like mocks you for being maidenless and then tells you to go die in obscurity somewhere. Right. But it was it was definitely worth it. And so now I just don't worry about about runes anymore because oh, I know nice. like. If if I need them, they're there. You can get you can get like a hundred thousand runes in like ten minutes or something. So it's just not a big deal, right? Jesus Christ! All right, well that that's which good which enough. feels good after playing for you know and sweating for like fifty hours through this game to be to yeah. a point where it's like okay, that's one thing I have to I can worry a little less about. And 
it's there when I need to upgrade something or, you know, like I, I spent one night just running around and because I also unlocked um, like early, uh, you know, like the smithing runes yeah. for upgrading weapons. Mm-hmm. So I can up, I, I upgraded just a ton of different weapons to Ooh. like plus six or something like that, which isn't, isn't huge, but it let me just try a bunch of different a bunch of different weapons with my with my build because I'm all I'm mostly dexterity based and it's like I've never tried a katana. Let me see how this works. You know, like slaughtering these sleeping mac and me folks and and it, it's <laughs> mac and me's. it's it's remarkable how how different and how viable so many weapons are. Like I I was just going through through my inventory and was like you know like deciding which weapons to just put in storage so just so that they're out of my inventory or whatever i still had like 10 different swords at the end of it of like well this one's pretty sweet like like the the built-in ability for it is really cool maybe i'll use it sometime i don't know i don't want to get rid of it so yeah um should we just stop podcasting for this year because it's game of the year and there's no point in even talking about (laughs) games after elden ring it's ridiculous man and one of the questions, one of the other podcast questions that you previewed for us was Ooh. asking what would Breath of the Wild yeah. let me read Let me read it. Two. Yeah, yeah. James, yeah. James Pies writes in. He says, what new mechanics or innovations need to be in Breath of the Wild 2 for it to supersede Elden Ring's Game of the Year spot? Assuming it came out this year. The Return of the Loftwing? A double jumping Epina? Playable <laughs> Zelda? This, of course, is assuming it even releases this year. Uh, but I still have hope. Um, you got an answer for James's question here? Well, I think it, I think it was what we were talking about earlier, which is one. I I think it would have to be way bigger than anyone was expecting it to be. Yeah, and and I think it would just have to have a comparable amount of just those surprising moments. Like it would just have to be a a huge world filled with a ton of surprises that people weren't expecting. Which I, I think I think Breath of the Wild succeeded. I think I enjoyed the Breath of the Wild yeah. more the world more than I enjoy Elden Ring's world. This is just the closest I've had to that Breath of the Wild experience, but also just, you know, the the ease of use, the accessibility of Breath of the Wild, I think just not just, it put, puts it above and beyond for me. But then again, this one, it's like, well, it's nice with the RPG mechanics. But I think uh, the things that uh, James might not be factoring in here are just like, I think what could push Breath of the Wild 2 above Elden Ring is some of the magic of Breath of the Wild is not really here in that big of a way, um, which is just um, mixing and matching different abilities, just getting really creative. The idea that, imagine an Elden Ring, but you can rewind up everything that you see and mixing and matching just like a crazy physics playground. Like, I think that's going to be the star of the show for Breath of the Wild 2, is people constantly sharing clips of like, look what you can do, look what you can do, just like they did for the first one, but, you know, magnified by five or whatever yeah i mean zelda's always gonna have a little bit of not even a little bit it's gonna have a huge edge for me because the reward for exploration presumably in breath of the wild 2 as well as the first one is the reward for exploration are puzzles yeah it's like finding those little mini dungeons and the reward for exploration in elden ring are bosses which is like they're just two different things and i i just personally just like would rather do a puzzle than fight a boss and like so that's 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 kind of where I land on that question, you know. But yeah, like Zelda had like the I can't remember the there's the Lionel, right? The big four-legged right. creature. Like and then there's the uh, the huge Bokoblin. Basically Elden Ring 
took took those two like encounters and like multiplied it by like a hundred. Right. Because I feel like that's like you you encountered those two and you're like, well, these are incredible. And then you would kind of see those two enemies again, and then the the sort of the the luster was gone after a while. Where like this, like, I mean, there are a lot of bosses that repeat. Like heads up, there are some that are really frustrating later in the game for sure. But like, I'm still seeing like totally new boss designs like totally. all the time just around the corner and it's like whoa what is, what is this thing like constantly yeah and i think still the openness of zelda's world puts it above it in my mind where it's like yes the open world of elden ring is awesome there's still some areas where it's like it's open but it's there's parts where it's kind of a wide corridor and kind of more of a region that you can technically get out of but just like having the completely open field of hyrule still feels completely different and much more liberating compared to like it's open but you know there's a cave over here that you can get through and then technically you can go on this corridor if you want. And that is at times what it feels like in Elden Ring's open world. Yeah, I mean, Elden Ring is definitely still... Like, I, and I, th- I think it plays to From Software's strength has always been designing very specific, like, paths that they want you to go to and then putting experiences along those paths. And right. so even though a lot more of this is open, there are definitely, like choke points in some areas and yeah. like that that one mission i was talking about like it like they 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 really wanted you to go specific ways and you and i was under leveled and unprepared for what they wanted you know for you to be ready for in order to get through that but but that has always been a plus for me with from i like i wouldn't want a completely open world design from from software i i like that it yeah. that it mixes those two things yeah, it is a yeah, beautiful I don't miss, I, 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 sometimes I would like to climb something to just get to, I was like, I gotta get over there. But like, one thing that From is good at, which Jeff, I'm touching on a little bit, is like, putting you on a path that you're like, surely that's not the way I'm supposed to go. Right, This tiny right. little tree branch right here? And then you go, and it's like, oh, I found a whole freaking city just by like walking on this branch that I didn't think I was supposed to even yeah. be walking. Yeah, totally. or, or like, I'm, I have jumped up onto this wall, and I jumped down onto a roof, and it turns out this, there's like, a third of this dungeon is is this path that I'm now going through that I thought I had just kind of lucked in or like wasn't even right. sure I could go down there, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's its own entire branch. Yeah, I always uh, lo- I've always enjoyed that stuff. Yeah, Elden Ring. We'll be talking about it uh, the rest of the time. Um, hopefully, you aren't annoyed. And if you are annoyed, are you, you do you guys do you think all all you guys will beat it? Because like I'm committed. Like I can't. I don't see a world where yeah. I don't finish it. It might take me a little. Even though while, I'm like real, I'm hitting some brick walls really hard. That's scary. That that's not what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, I can't imagine a world where I don't beat this. It might take a couple months, but I I'm enjoying it so much that yeah, there's no universe where I wouldn't beat it. Oh, I say yeah, that. Now, I mean, but. I like when I when I was. When I I played like sixty hours or whatever, I finally got through Stormvale, and oh I was God. feeling pretty good about where I, you know, like how I had done, and I kind and like I had explored a ton of the map up until that point, like before I went there, I had gone to Kaled and all these different weird places, oh, and so yeah. I finally I finally got past that, got through the castle, like went up on a cliff, I overlooked. <laughs> at how much more there was that the map wasn't telling me that there was. Yeah. And I, I felt a a bit, a certain sense of dread of like, oh my God, I'm going to be playing this game until the end of time. Um, but I'm, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to bounce off of it. I'm, I am yeah. as committed as I can be at this point. <laughs> I feel sorry for every other game that's going to come out this year that I'm just going to be like, 
I just want to play more Elden Ring. It, honestly, it's it's the worst impulse, but I've thought this a couple times while playing this is why isn't every game like this? Why isn't every game just as good as Elden Ring? What's wrong with everybody else? Just make games like this, everybody. It's a terrible instinct. Uh, hey, Sarah, if yeah. people like this show, did you know that there's a way to support the show directly? I did know that. Well, that's right. You can head on over to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends, everybody. Uh, we'd appreciate the support. We are inching towards our new Patreon goal of recording a full Let's Play of Chibi Robo in the Minmax studio with Jeff Cork and Sarah Podzorski. So please let that happen. We're really getting there. And uh, if you support us at any tier, you can also compete in Trivia Tower, which is coming up on Monday, March 14th. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but thank you to some of Minmax's biggest supporters. You know who they are, but if you don't, uh, they're these people. Um, they are, of course, um, Voices in My Head, a new tabletop game. Have you heard of this, Jeff? Um? I have. Really? Oh, that's interesting. It's from Unexpected Games. We talked about one of their games a while ago called The Initiative, which uh, I love a lot. But Voices in My Head, Kyle, it's inspired by Pixar's Inside Out. And so you play Good as movie. courage, cowardice, honesty, and selfishness. And then one person is the prosecutor. And you're all in a courtroom trying to control uh, the character's head, whose name is Guy Johnson. Um, but it's a wacky courtroom. There's like storylines of different cases and twists and turns along the way. Um, it's a fun time. We played it um, not too long ago. And the cool thing is that like, there's a cool physical aspect where it's controlling this guy's head and the different parts of his head. Like, okay, this is speech. This is this other region of his head. And you have to like actually physically slide the pieces and you can bump other people's uh, pieces off of that region of the brain. So it's like a cool physical aspect of this game, but voices in my head. If you're looking for a new tabletop game to play, I believe it's two to six players, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, also, thank you to our friends at Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1. It is a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro Controller and then you slide the Nintendo Switch screen on top of that so you can play with the greatest Nintendo Switch controller on the go. There is a link below so you can check it out on Amazon. It is $35 on Amazon, but there's also a carrying case bundle if you're interested in that such a thing. Um, also, there's uh, a Fixture S2 in the works, so it'll be compatible with the OLED, so you can check that out, everybody. Thank you to Fixture Gaming for supporting MinMax in a big, bad way. Also, thank you to our friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want every Everybody to know about Genesis Noir, uh, the new vinyl soundtrack to Genesis Noir that you can get from I'm 8-Bit's wonderful online store. If you don't remember Genesis Noir, it's a game we talked about a couple times last year. It's one of my favorite indie games from last year, where it is just a trippy, incredibly beautiful take on the history of the entire universe told through a film noir perspective, but the soundtrack is awesome. So you can give that a whirl, and you can check it out in I'm 8-Bit's wonderful online store, where you can use the promo code MARCHMADNESS. March Madness, all one word, for 10% off everything under $100 in their online store. And i8bit is so generous that they're giving away a prize from their store each and every week to the MinMax community. Whoever submits the best question over on Patreon each and every week wins a prize. And this week, whoever submits the best question is going to win Disco Elysium on PS5, the i8bit edition. So a physical version of Disco Elysium. I8bit is shipping that out to people so you can help support them by going to that store and using March Madness as a code because they are unbelievably generous for the Midnight community. All right, let's dive in. And before we do that, um, Sarah, you've been working on that magic spell, right? Yes. Um, and isn't it like that magic spell that turns Kyle Hilliards into Janet Garcia's? Yes, I've been working very hard on it. Okay, great. Do you want to just let her rip? Yeah, yeah. 
Jana Garcia, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Wow, welcome. Sarah Pazorski, you got to use that more often. Get that Kyle yeah. out of here. <laughs> Uh, hey, Janet, uh, help us go through all these emails. Uh, I mean, community questions. I mean, community comments. I mean, community comments submitted over on Patreon and then help us choose the number one favorite, okay? Sure. Great. Uh, Jared R. Meyer writes in and says, Hey, I just saw the Batman in 40X. Moving seats, smoke, strobe lights, smells, Batman coming out of the screen and beating the snot out of me, uh, they say. And it just reminded me that I will absolutely love any sort of stupid gimmicky thing that media companies can throw at me. What have been some gimmicky features or peripherals in games that you actually came to love or enjoy? I do like the sound out of the controller. No. I know a lot of people don't. No, but I do. Janet. Yeah, the, I just don't me. like it when it's maybe I don't. I'm not a big fan of it used as like the radio, just because See, I don't know. Or like when you don't know it. Like I had headphones on once at work, and then my controller was just like, yeah. I was like, I wish I could make this not happen. But when you like turn a key and like you hear it in no. the controller, I like I like that. No, I Janet, like when the Death Stranding baby wrong. cried out of my controller, and then I had to rack my controller so it would stop crying. God, games are pretty cool. Uh, see, I, I am only in favor of it as being the radio. Like, I needed to have a contextual reason why it sounds like crap. But, like, the idea of it coming from it's a radio... close to you. That's why. So a baby would sound like crap if it's close to you? <laughs> Jeff, can you confirm? I don't know. I'm not... Checks out. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay, Interesting. see, there you go. See, I always have headphones on, so I also don't notice that my controller is making noise until, yeah. like, it's too late. So I don't... I don't know. I guess I'm not the person for the experience. Yeah. This is a broad one, Jared. The gimmicky features and peripherals. Because I immediately thought of, it's probably sacrilegious to call it a, a gimmicky peripheral, but uh, racing wheels are something that I didn't pay attention to for a majority of my life. And then at Game Informer at some point, we got like some fancy $300 racing wheel in and I brought it home and set up like, <laughs> set it up in front of my PC and played Project Cars genuinely one of like my favorite gaming experiences like it was absolutely incredible i had mm. such a good time with that and then also set it up to play european truck simulator and now it's like it's every once in a while i think i should i should buy a really expensive racing yep. wheel because so you're gonna have the pedals the chair honestly, the wheel you're gonna have the works it's it's better than vr in some instances <laughs> like it really feels incredible if you're just like running these cars oh manual transmission it really feels cool if you got a good beefy thing um, See, we need to go back to like actual gimmick gimmicks. When I was younger, there was a PC game called Barbie Genie. And when you bought the game, it came with a plastic genie bottle ooh. that you would plug into your PC tower. And in order to like summon Barbie Genie in the game, you had to like flick the top off of the bottle. And then she would come out of the bottle like into the game. But here's the thing. It only worked like 30% of the time. And then the rest of the time, you could just click a button on screen to summon her. But, like, oh I God. want to go back to, like, cheap pieces of plastic that do one thing. Yeah. And right. one thing only. Right. Like a polka walker, for instance. Exactly. That was so fun. It was cool. That Everyone was cool. in my high school had one, and they were, like, shaking them at all hours so that people were wearing them on their socks. Like, yeah. it was the, the hippest thing. Speaking of hip, um, I went to this... Um, Museum of Failure, it was called, a couple months ago at the Mall of America. <laughs> it was the coolest place to be. And they had... I'm sorry, Sarah, you might need to cover yours for this. Um, oh, no. But they had a, an old Barbie doll, and it was like Barbie's little sister. And it's like from the 70s. Which but, ones? But the Skipper? Whole, Kelly? Stacy? I don't know. Which one? Uh, the one that they don't talk about anymore? Yeah, probably that one. But the premise was that this doll 
was going through puberty and you could like mm. raise and lower its hand and its breast would like inflate for like Barbie's little sister. And it was like, you know, pulled off shelves after six months because uh, people are creepers out there. Uh, but just, you know, good Barbie facts from the history of Barbie. Uh, anybody else yeah. have a favorite peripheral? I am looking to, I know it's going to be an awful experience and I do not care. I've put on my Christmas list for I think a year now. I'm leaving it. I might buy it myself for myself, but I want to drop the hundred bucks to get, uh, God, what is that? That drum game? Taiko. Whatever. Oh like, yeah. The Taiko yes. drum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that the, with the little the drum. Game. And like, is the game good? No, probably not. Is the drum oh. good? Also probably not. But do I want the two together? 1000%. I don't want to play that game me. without the little drum. Yeah. What's the Donkey Kong Bongo game? I love the Donkey Kong Kong game. I love that. I played that until my hands like bled. Did you play (laughs) did you play Jungle Beats? Yeah, it, well, okay. it was like the rhythm game one where you would play along to the song. Well, see, this is the thing. This is I very, didn't play the game version of it. There is a distinction here. So there's Donkey Konga, which I believe came after Jungle Beats. I forget the chronology. But Jungle Beats is a platformer that is made by like the Mario Galaxy team, and it uses those exact same Congo drums. And it kind of gets mm. lost in the shuffle of time because everybody just remembers Donkey Konga because it's the greatest name for a video game outside of Exo Primal. Um, Jeff, have you ever loved anything? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the, the fact back when, uh, forced feedback was a gimmick when it was the rumble pack for Nintendo 64. Yeah. It was its own separate peripheral that you had to buy and put two double A batteries in and it was totally worth it. <laughs> it was really so wait, great. Did it only, is it just like rumble the controller? Yeah, I mean, it's it's for what they use it for, you know, nowadays. I think, it, like, GoldenEye was the was the big one that we used, and it would, like, rattle the entire controller, but it was also kind of loose, so it would actually make a rattling noise that it wasn't supposed to make, but... It was very immersive. What are you going to do? Uh, Hugo, H2P, writes in, he says, Hey, everybody, I think it's been well established that 10 out of 10 games... Uh, that a 10 out of 10 game doesn't mean a game is perfect. But for each of you, what does it generally mean... Is a 10 out of 10 because it managed to achieve what it set out to do or because it surpassed expectations and brought something new? This is why I'm very thankful I've never had to write a review in my life because if you put a gun to my head, I don't know if I could really... <laughs> I don't think Have I you could actually not? It. I've never written a review, no. Never I'm ever. About you that. should write like your own little Elden Ring review and then put it on the internet and then like write something really controversial in it. Like I don't like write I don't use torrent. I think torrent is cheating. Right. And right. then we could get so popular. And but really be like snooty about it. Like Yeah, yeah. What the kind fake of, outrage. Right. Yes. Like you use torrent. Okay, I guess we're just crapping down Miyazaki's throat and against his sense of game design here, everybody. Um Yeah, I don't know. Jeff Real me. experience is walking. <laughs> Slowly at that. But Jeff, I mean, you've written 4,000 reviews. Uh, in your mind, you never gave a 10. I never gave a 10. What's your highest review? Do you remember? I don't remember, but I'm guessing probably 9.5. I bet you never got to 9.5. If I, if I ever find a Jeff of North a 9 back on Game Informer, I'd be, I'd be shocked. Well, in my younger days, probably. Really? I, I want to say, say maybe I did like a second opinion on the first Borderlands. And it might have been been that high. Ooh, okay, interesting. So in your mind, what is a 10 out of 10? Is there any way to measure what that is for you personally? Um, I think it's personal. I I think it's just a game that 
you are completely in love with and enamored with. It it doesn't matter if it has flaws. It doesn't, you know, but it's it's one where you just admire enjoy enjoy playing it so much but also just Im- admire the hell out of the design of it to the point where it's like I wouldn't change anything about this. I think like for me the the one that I've I've always felt is the perfect game would be Tetris of and it doesn't really matter which version unless it's a sucky version of Tetris. It's hard to screw up Tetris, but I think Ubisoft has done it multiple times. EA has done it. But, Everyone's other turn. But yeah. otherwise, you know, like Tetris Connect. God, I don't know if I'd give it a ten, but but it's it's Tetris in effect. the echelon of this Tetris just thing like, has fallen apart, Jeff. <laughs> I know. I, I should have thought about Tetris that Tetris is actually bad. Is where we're going to end yes. this conversation. <laughs> but I wonder how many people gave Tetris a ten out of ten. Even back for like the Game Boy I mean, review and stuff is probably like eh. probably not, but you yeah. know it. You know, like after playing it for Tetris thirty years of my life mm-hmm. and enjoying it for that long, it's like you know, yeah. I it's it's just it's a perfect formula. Speaking of perfect formula, Ray Lawaza here with the history lesson. Thank you, Ray Lawaza points out in the backstage pass chat that Jeffum gave Dreams a nine five, which I forgot wow. about. Oh, did I? Yeah. Wow. Really I. Correct. The only game better than Tetris that. is Dreams. And Sarah, you've seen enough of Dreams to back up that opinion. Yes, I back it up completely. <laughs> um, I don't know, Janet, do you have thoughts on the legendary 10 out of 10? Yeah, I mean, I I think part coming from IGN and then part like IGN 10 out of 10 being really iconic, I, I do think the Masterpiece label is a, is a good one for 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's a game right. is a 10 out of 10 when it feels kind of transcendent in a way. I don't think it necessarily needs to do anything new specifically to be transcendent. I think it just, all the pieces work together in a way that isn't just, that that like moves you, I guess, on a deep level. Uh, it's a lot like love. If you have to ask, you, it, it, the answer is no. If there's any doubt that it's a mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 for you, then it's not a 10 out of 10. But if you say that and you have no questioning of yourself, then I would say that is your personal 10 out of 10. Um, but I would add that it, it could still have flaws or even things you wish were different. But um, yeah, it's like you just feel it. It's a gut reaction. Huh. Um, I do think it's different, though, than a 5 out of 5. There's a lot of debate on like, you know, we gave, oh, we're kind of funny, we gave Horizon a 5 out of 5. Right. We're like, oh, so you think it's a masterpiece? I think the 5 out of 5 scale generally, and every outlet does it differently, is so small that you don't get into the granularity of the higher end scale. Like to me... A 9 out of 10 and a 10 out of 10 would be a 5 out of 5 on the 5 scale. Like, the 5 doesn't get into the nuance because there's not enough space. But that's getting into a lot of layers. But that's kind of a a light distinguishing point. And that's why, in general, I think outlets that give out of 5 tend to give, like, a decent amount of 5 out of 5s versus, like, outlets that do a 10 out of 10 are Mm -hmm. a little bit pickier because... You, the, the beauty of the 10-point scale or the 100-point scale is you get to get really granular with, like, it's good, but how good? Is it, like, really good or really, really good? Well, out of five, like, you don't have that much space to work with because there's only five numbers. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. I forget who it was. There's some somebody once who was talking about everybody getting two in the zone on game reviews and how easy it is for all of us to kind of crawl up around butts talking about this type of stuff and really just focusing on and zooming in on. And then somebody, it's a very Jeff Cork line, but I don't think it was Jeff Cork. But they said, you know, at the end end of the day, we're writing book reports about toys. Like, everyone needs to relax. <laughs> I think that's a nice respect every once in a while. Um, so, you know, 10 out of 10, it's just that you really liked that toy, everybody. That, that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, Ryan McGinnis writes in and says, Howdy, Ben and the Weasels. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a reference. Um, Ryan asks, is Cologne dead? 
I'm 35 years old, and I remember in school, everyone wore it. If you didn't know what to get someone for Christmas or birthdays, it was a solid choice. Nowadays, I don't know anyone who wears cologne, and I think body wash and deodorant is keeping the country pretty much stink-free. I Yeah, I have not considered cologne since no. high school. Which is probably why it's ruined. All of the high school boys ruined cologne for everybody. Really? Yeah. Was it when the era of Axe body spray Oof. was a really dark period in time? But in that's high different school. than a cologne. Is yeah, it? but I think people confuse the two because there's like obviously pricey cologne that will smell good. But I think, I think a lot of people got into it very fast, and then everyone kind of came out against it quickly, and then it it died out completely. Well, hang on, is Axe body spray not technically considered a cologne? Cologne's more like a perfume. It depends on who you're asking. Yeah, <laughs> like now we're getting into the like what is. What is, like, uh, God, what is it called? Connotation versus denotation. I think it might be, from a denotative lens, it could be a cologne. But connotatively, it's not a cologne. Jesus, Janet, putting on the glasses today. Very impressive. Yeah, man, I got to try to squeeze all the juice out of this degree that I paid for. Why do I have a degree in teaching in English when I'm here? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, uh, still have to pay for it, though. But so, so society, in general, burned out. Because I can't even remember the last time I smelled cologne. Like... On an airplane My or nothing. My dad wears cologne still, Ooh. but he's old. So it's he's for like old 60. men. But I think, I think my boyfriend might have some cologne, but I don't think it's like, I don't think people are hitting the cologne on the daily. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Jeff, I'm, is, oh. I mean, is, is perfume still a huge thing? I feel like we're post-perfume too. I, we? I feel like the whole idea of just buying a specific fragrance that you're going to put on yourself and force everyone else to smell just feels invasive at this point. Like, Have you ever just make sure that you don't stink, right? You know, like get a get a scentless deodorant and wear that, and then just be a normal person. You don't have to walk into a room and make everyone's eyes water. Yeah, you should. Yeah, make their eyes water by how cute you look compared to how exactly raunchy you smell. Do you also have a thing, Jeff? I'm you seem like this type of guy. Every once in a while, I'll buy like a big pack of soap, like a twelve pack of soap or something. And then I'll get home and, and open up one of them and put it in the shower. And I'm like, it just like smells horrific. Like it's tough to find scentless soap. Does anybody else struggle with this? And sometimes it's like, it's called original. So you think that's going to not have a scent? Then you open it up. Wait, and so like, you're, you're aiming for scentless. But what is this problem? Why have you not already found it and then just kept it the same Because one? I'm not smart scentless. enough to remember. And then why are you buying 12 packs of soap that you don't even like know that you both. like the scent of? I like why both are you things. I don't want on a 12 I mean, pack. I don't want to you know, get I gotta you use this Costco membership because I <laughs> yeah, paid for it. Exactly. I gotta get all a lot of it. You you don't smell the box though, Hanson. You, it's tough to smell through a box. I don't think it comes through it like a to, Dove and original. And now you're smelling through the box and the mask, so it's like a double. <laughs> uh, it's like, do I, I want to be? Do I want to problematically deep sniff this candle right now right. and maybe kill everybody? Yeah, like I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm rolling the dice. Does your does your soap smell, Jeffem? Uh, if it's too sensitive uh, and personal a question, I understand you don't have to answer it. No, but. no, it's not. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, do I have a bar of soap? And the answer is no. I just, I just use shampoo. Whatever, On whatever your whole the body? shampoo is, I'm using. Wait, yes. what? <laughs> God, Sarah can't no. take it. Sarah no, can't no, no, make no. it. No, I get, no, I get the lather no, no. up here. And then I, need <laughs> I need to leave. I need to leave immediately. Well, what's no, what's wrong with so that? Bad. Clean is clean. Ah! What's wrong with don't, that? Don't, 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 Jeffum. 
Jeff, um, I love what you bring to the show. Don't share that with anybody ever again. Delete the VOD and the, the stream. <laughs> What's wrong with, is it gross or is it just- What's wrong with using shampoo as body soap? <laughs> yeah, that seems, I don't do it, but I have done it. I Like in a hotel or something, or if there's not like soap, it's like, sure, it's all the same. It's body, it, it's the same thing as body wash. It's the, it's a gel that comes right. out. You lather it up, you what's put the, it on your body, you wash it up. What's wrong with mint gum? It's toothpaste. It's mint. It makes your teeth it's not gum. Day. It goes in your mouth. Night and oh, no, day. If anybody can tell me a downside <laughs> oh, to using shampoo as as soap, I, I know what like I'm getting. All it's, of you for Christmas. It is like literally not Cologne? for. How about soap. Ben? Send Jeff um, one of those twelve packs of soap you got, and let's just <laughs> even this whole thing out. Okay. No, they're they're not they're. They're, I don't even know where, they're not the same. <laughs> they're, they're different okay. functionally, uh, chemically. You know, soap is generally like made, they're made for different things. Mm. It's like, how is, how is, how is, how is olive oil different than the oil I put in my car? It's all oil. It's like, yeah, but they're different oils. <laughs> Night and day. You wouldn't be able to drive if you put See, olive you know, oil in your goddamn in chat, car. Three in one soap. I also don't agree with that, but I'm not gonna like, you know, Wait, what's the three? Have his visceral reaction because at least that is it, it was designed for it to be. Well, that, you know what that is? At once. Hang Shampoo, on. body wash, and conditioner. Okay, yes. so okay, one. so that's the three in one. Okay, yes, the body wash part is confusing. Yeah, I just I get the uh, the no dandruff two in one thing, and that's yeah, the head and shoulders. Yeah, the head and shoulders. Yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah, it's great. Um. It's, people bring up a great point in the backstage pass. And again, Jeff, um, this is too personal, but they bring up maybe Jeff is just a really hairy guy. Would he not be allowed to use soap if just his entire body was just beard level hair? You need to use shampoo for that, right? No, because that's I mean, I, like I, I also, I also use the conditioner as well afterwards. Uh, Jeff Markia Favre? Anyways. Uh, hey, Luca Resigno writes in and asks... Um, is there any game series that wouldn't make a great tactical RPG spinoff? It's a great question. Because a lot of people are saying, like, any game, if you make the tactics RPG spinoff, it's going to be great. You make, like, a Mass oh, Effect spinoff. Funny enough, I thought of uh, Tetris for this. <laughs> I feel like that would be a bad... That's Probably pretty bad, bad. I want to see it, though. I want to see some designer try and come up with that. I would also want to see it. It feels like it could be um, similar to what's that game that Leo was really hot on? We were dropping in as the letters. Oh, spell. spell. I'm like, someone remember this. Babel Royale. Babel Royale. It could be like a funky thing, but I'm that gut reaction. I don't think Tetris turn base would be tactical turn base would be good. But okay, Jeff, I'm right now, man. Can you pitch us what the tactics RPG version of Tetris would look like. There's something there. Those ingredients seem cool. I just can't figure out in my mind what it is. No, I don't know. That it would it would probably end up being terrible no matter what you did. But if there's a game jam happening out there and you're looking for a theme, I'd really appreciate if somebody tried to take a stab at that one. Um, Stephen Woodson wrote in. He says uh, he replied to that comment over on Patreon. He said, "I would unironically love a Mario Kart tactical RPG." Which Mario Kart. Mario Kart, which is another good thinker. And I was thinking, like, well, that's impossible. But Jeff, there's like turn-based racing tabletop games like Downforce and stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but would you still be would the goal just to be to blow up other cars though? Well, to win the race. If it's I mean, what are we counting as tactical? Is it just are we just saying turn-based is tactical? Turn-based strategy. 
I don't know. Do you have a so different you're, definition of you're tactical? You're attacking each other, or is it still just a race? It's a race. <laughs> I don't understand don't, what's confusing about a tactics you don't RPG sound Mario Kart game. At all. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, did you see that uh, the news that Nintendo was like, "Hey, Advance Wars One Plus Two reboot." Eh, not so much. Maybe we don't later. really want to release it now. There's not even a new date on that. But if you missed it, yeah, they postponed it because of the war in Ukraine, where they said, "You know what?" Tanks rolling in, even if they're really colorful tanks, no one really wants to see that right now. Um, which the fun, weird factoid is that the original Advance Wars launched two days before 9-11. So it's just like bizarre that that series has always coincided um, with uh, terrible things in the world. Um, I don't know. Anybody else got thoughts about what wouldn't make a great tactical RPG? Gears. I'm just kidding. They did it. They Damn. pulled it off. Um, Sonic? But then again, they go slow it. and they think it through. It. What if it was tactical RPG, but you have to go as fast as humanly possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like that idea. It's kind of like a chess clock. You to, bam, you got to slap it real quick. Yeah. Um, I guess they made Dark Brotherhood. But anyways, um, Tanner Hoisington writes in. He says, Sarah. Sarah. What? Tanner says, Sarah. Um, oh, no. How is 13 Sentinels? What? What, is, what a story. What a trip. What an adventure. Um, a bunch of Japanese high schoolers. Uh, what a story that I have yet to see the fruits of my labors. Uh, and why these teens are naked in mechs. Uh, don't, don't have an answer for that yet. That's still on the table. Lots of questions. Uh-huh. Not a lot of answers in that game yet. Was it, um, was it last year or 2020? That it, I think maybe 2020 that it came out, but it's definitely it one of those that people are like, hey. It's coming out on Switch this month sometime really soon oh interesting so everybody's saying like hey if you like stories and games don't overlook 13 sentinels and it's gotta be a tough one to stream i can't believe you're doing that why because it's a story or yeah because it's long i think both it, the story is so twisty and okay. turny and very like something's always happening like you're always going at like 90 miles an hour in that game uh so it's actually quite entertaining okay all right Hey, all right. Um, GRN writes in and says, Greetings, Max crew. Yesterday while working, I encountered a product I couldn't believe was real. It was a wallet that had lining made from the used jersey of a professional athlete. That's really weird. That's like, every once in a while, you know, big sports people, they like to pretend that they're not nerds. That is one of the dorkiest things I've ever heard in my life, that an adult would buy that and not consider themselves a dork. Get out of town. That's your dark territory, baby. How much was it? And like, what jersey was it? How do I know what hundred? Like, is there a stain on it? Like, an identifiable stain? Like, how do I know? You can smell the cologne. Maybe there's authentication, like, site, depending on what the site's credentials are. Like, how there's grading for, like, um, you know, games and stuff. Like, if you, not on that level, because that seems kind of weirdly fan-made or, like, small business-made. But a lot of times it'll be like this... You can buy, like, this thing from this game and event, and they'll have it all, like, labeled and authenticated and things. So, yeah. That one. Jordan Holmdahl writes in and says, Hey, all, if you could retire a common phrase from video game discussions, what would it be and why? I'd Love be ha- letter. Love letter. That's and solid. I've used it before. I get it. It's, we all know why we use it. It's, like, right. an easy way to kind of speak to... It just feels... It's overused. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jordan says, I'd be happy to never be told, if you can see it, you can go there. Can we just blame yeah. Todd Howard for that? I don't, I feel like no, 
Not many people are saying that now, are they? Yeah, not anymore. I, that that became like a, a sarcastic meme pretty quickly. Right, like right. Um, quad A, like above triple A quality, wow. you know, like Microsoft. That only happened like once too, though, no, right? No, it happened, uh, of course, with um, the Dead Space developers. Help me out. What are they called again? Visceral? Visceral, yes. They were, they were big on that because... We once interviewed the uh, head of that studio, Sarah and Janet, and he's like, hey, when we're talking about visceral games, we just want to drive for quad A. We got a saying around here, and it's quad A all day. It's like, oh, my God. What are we doing? Can I shut off this camera yet? Uh, shut up. Um, you just, like, push it over onto the ground. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I'm snapping the P2 cards in half. <laughs> um, no, but then all, I think even the initiative, like Microsoft's Perfect Dark Studio, I think they pitched that, calling it a quad A studio. I don't want to hear next gen anymore. It's not. It's, I don't want to hear next gen. It's not. If it's coming out now, it's now gen. Oh, okay. I but agree. I don't want to. I, I don't want to hear like this is next gen. And I'm like, it's on the PS4 still. Right, right, right. It's not. How? How is that possible? Like the word has been so overused. It's just like a filler now. Yeah. Um, by or uh, metaverse is the obvious one, but that's that's gamers aren't saying that, right? That's just some nonsense. No. Um, this is a very specific one, but within the halls of PlayStation, uh, they call Insomniac Insom. And I truly hate oh, it. Oh, yeah. I truly hate it. And maybe it was just Sid Schumann in that one stream. I, there's no way to know for sure. But the fact that he confidently got on a stream and called Insomniac Insom is an insult to everything Insomniac's ever done throughout their entire story career. Uh, all right. Harrison Holt McHale writes in. He says, tonight I reached the final boss of Elden Ring and New Game Plus all to get some dang platinum trophy. I've still got one playthrough to go, but it's still a blast playing through the game along with everyone else on the MinMax Discord, sharing ideas, opinions, fun anecdotes. See, there we go. There's that group stuff. Uh, collaborative, collaboratively experiencing a video game together with others is one of my favorite things. Does anyone on the panel have a favorite example of a game they've shared and experienced with others? It's a broad one. And this is like separately together. We're not talking about MMOs are like I guess so competitive games like this is like we were both playing the same game at the same time yeah I don't know Jeff um, were you thinking were you, do you have something hot for this one no not now, <laughs> not now that I understand what the question is no. what were you gonna say I guess it would be Elden Ring at this point honestly yeah are you jumping in the MinMax Discord at all I haven't I you haven't should. looked at their I haven't looked at their Elden Ring channel it's very helpful and they're very good on uh putting spoiler tags up on everything uh joseph betts writes in and says hello minmaxers longtime listener first time writer for a minmax show proper at least thank you joseph for being here thanks for submitting that question uh melee guns or magic if you could only use one of these attack types and gains from now on and could never use the other two what would you pick Keep up the amazing content. Looking forward to the chrono cross deepest dive hopefully not announced joseph not announced um Melee guns or magic? What do y'all think? Uh, probably magic, but I don't like the addition. When I first saw this question, it was just melee guns or magic. But like without, I can never use the other one. Yeah. It depends. Does that come with the caveat of like, if there's a game that requires you to shoot a gun to beat it, I cannot play that game? Because if so, I'll just go guns. Well, you can, you, can, you can play it, but you just can't shoot the gun. And then and I'm going to have to go like magic, gun. Like what kind of magic is it like? 
you know, mana based, scroll based, like. I I feel like you got, you just gotta go melee. Counted. Yeah, melee. Yeah, because it's the worst gun. one. But I'm if go guns, if you gun, cho- yeah. But if you choose guns, then like you can't play another Mario game. You can't play another Zelda game. I thought this was just I don't like consider that what's as your melee preferred attack. play style. You think yeah, Mario's melee Mario, people in the streets? You don't, think, you don't think jumping on a head is melee? That's as melee as it gets. Correct. No, it's when he punches, because he, he does have a melee he attack. In 64, he can punch things. Yeah, that's true. Punch and the jump is different. They're not both melee attacks. Hmm. So what's the never going to play video games ever. So isn't, jump, isn't like jumping on somebody's head, isn't that just like punching them with your feet? It that's a could be interpreted that way. But now it's like now you're talking about like hot dog is a sandwich type logic, right, and I feel right. like that's a slippery slope. You're right. Okay, that's tough. Uh, Jeff, will you just sell it once and for all? You want to pick one? Uh, I guess, man. I don't. I don't want to do guns. <laughs> I guess. I guess magic. Magic can be. Magic can be melee. Magic can be projectile. Magic it can, can be, be whatever melee. you want. All right. Look, if you're not gonna adhere to the <laughs> excuse rules me of the question, <laughs> have you have you not played Elden Ring? I got a giant magic sword. I got a magic arrow that I can shoot with a magic bow. You have a magic it covers sword? covers everything. Magic sword? What does that look yeah. like? What do you mean? It, you, you like basically, you know, swing your wand except a giant phantom sword comes out of it. Oh, really? I've seen like bosses use that against me. Interesting. Uh, Ryan Besedny writes in and says, congratulations on making Twitch partner, Sarah. Yay, thank you. Woo! You did Woo! it. You did it. Um, what does it feel like to be at this next level of human evolution? Honestly, I really expected it to feel different. <laughs> I really expected it to be like, yes, I have been validated. And then I'm like, and now I'm like, oh, it's just the same. <laughs> it's just the same, but now I have a little check mark. Mm-hmm. That, that seems good. Uh, and I, more, more bit rate, I guess. And like higher your bit rate. archives yeah. last longer. Yeah, more. You can watch VODs from a really long time ago. Hell yeah. Um, you don't make more on subs though, right? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Uh, Jose, well then, hey, congratulations, sister. Maybe more on ads? I don't know. I'll let you know. Ooh, I'll let you- I think it is. I think it's more I on ads. I think more on ads. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Jose Arroyo writes in and says, Hey, y'all, happy International Women's Week. Here I dare to ask, <laughs> weird way to phrase it, who is a woman in the industry you admire and why? Other, All of them. Other than Sarah for making <laughs> Twitch partner. Um, I don't know. Janet, who jumps into your so mind? Many, <laughs> you're like, so many names. Right no, I, I do. Right, Janet? No, it's all good. It's all good. I do have um, some, but I don't want to hog it. Sure. I mean, okay, I'll just go. Um, uh, a lot. I mean, I like Sarah's all of them. I think that's a good, I feel very much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's you, Sarah, here. Uh, mm-hmm. Awesome content, awesome streams. Uh, Kelsey, friend of the show at Video Game History Foundation. Alana Pierce at Santa Monica and yep. also doing like 8 million other things. Um, there's people like uh, Belinda who writes for, I forget where exactly at this point, was involved in like Call of Duty uh, campaign writing. Oh, yeah. Elements of things. I'm kind of butchering what studio she's actually affiliated with. Uh, there's Sledgehammer, like, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's like Clara over at um, does the PR for Devolver Digital. Like there's uh, Genevieve, uh, Greg's wife, who uh, is one of the heads of Pop Agenda. Like and, and really, I think the one of the biggest common threads, I feel like, of the women that I know in the industry is just there's so much, I don't know, passion and insight and kindness uh, in the work that they do. And one thing that I think 
to me, without getting too like spicy of a take I've, it, that I always respect of women in the industry is it's it's so hard to be a woman in the industry. It's such an unwelcoming and isolating space that I feel like anyone who's doing big things in the industry as a woman like, oh, you went through some like serious stuff to get here mm-hmm. and like you're still here. And like that's why I always think it's so ridiculous when there are you know, people more often than not men who question like, oh, whether women like truly should be here or know what they're talking about. I'm like, do you know how hard, (laughs) how good you have to be to like rise above and be noticed and stand out and get to do that stuff? Like if anything, like the women are more times like out of 10, like more qualified than the men that they work with because they had to do a lot of stuff just to kind of be there and be present. Um, And there's, you know, just so many barriers and issues but um yeah and it helps you know for me as as a woman in the industry it's it's nice to meet other women who are doing what i do and to find that sort of little bit of reprise in that yeah there's Mm -hmm. um you know i think there's probably people watching or listening that just have the perspective of like i don't know i like i listen to women on podcasts it seems fine how bad could it really be as someone who's read every youtube comment that game informer received and that minmax has received you would be shocked how much people attack women in, on YouTube. Maybe, is this just the most boring take ever, Jeff, to be like, hey, the internet's really mean sometimes, but I am still stunned, uh, especially for like some of the wider stuff back at Game Reformer of like, oh, if there's a woman on something, they are just a lightning rod for horse comments. Yeah, and, and that doesn't even, you know, touch on... The kind of things that women go through in workplaces as right, well. Right. And just the the harassment and the treatment there as well. My my answer was going to be Brenda Romero, who's been uh, in the industry for a long time. And I think, unfortunately, has probably been overshadowed by her husband for most of it. Right. Has been designer on many different games, including Empire of Sin, which just came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, and we talked to her in that developer roundtable we did back in 2020. And she's she's been good for getting out there and has, to, has vented frustration about like she's been on an she's been invited to a women developers roundtable discussion throughout her entire year her entire career and she's vented about just how frustrating it is like can i just be considered a developer instead of like hey look look at this woman developer here we go mm-hmm. again and again and again um yeah there's a there's a podcast that i found recently um that's called she plays games yeah you were on it, Janet. I saw yes, you in there. Yes, I was on it. Um, yeah, it is really, really good. It's just, um, it's an interview with women across the game industry, but what's awesome about it, and I, forgive me for, for forgetting the name of the host, um, but what's awesome about it is it's, even if, yeah, you're like, hey, okay, women in the industry, that's great. But also, what's really cool is it's a bunch of just smaller roles in the industry that you don't really hear interviews about too often. It's like, hey, what's it like to be the community manager for this B-tier studio. Just like that level of um, discussion, I feel like big interview shows don't really focus on. And unfortunately, because of the state of the industry, where it's like, ah, oh, women are starting to work their way up more and more. Like you're not getting somebody at like a Todd, Todd Howard level on this podcast, but it works to its advantage because it's just fascinating to hear like people on the ground exactly what they're going through. And so I recommend that She Plays Games podcast. But, Lauren um, K is the host. Yes, thank you. Yeah, she's great. But I did have to look it up. So <laughs> I also kind of forgot her name. That's okay. fine. Um, yeah, I, I, you mentioned it, but the, one of the first names that came to mind is Alana Pierce. Uh, Play, Watch, Listen is, I think, my favorite video game podcast at this point. Um, she's just a machine over there. And the fact that she's also a writer at Sony Santa Monica, I don't know how that's possible in any way, but uh, she's knocking it out of the park. Uh, Mary Kish certainly has her stuff together. Uh, respect her a whole lot. Um, I think one of the most impressive people on the development side, 
that I've met is uh, Angie Smets, who's a producer for Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West over there in Amsterdam. But like visiting that studio, uh, it just gave you that appreciation of how amazing it is that they are able to release so many games that Gorilla is just on top of everything. The fact that they can get a new IP like Horizon Zero Dawn out the door, it's like, hey, a lot of that, you have to tip the cap to the producer and Angie is the one wrangling it over there. So that was one of the most important people I've met in the industry. Um, let's see. Fork has a very natural follow-up question saying, hey, which is more numerous on planet Earth, white t-shirts or black t-shirts? This is just a wheels or doors situation again. White t-shirts, I think. I think white t-shirts. Yeah. Now, Sarah, you make it seem like everybody in the world has um, talked about wheels and doors. What is this mm-hmm. hypothetical? I haven't heard this. Oh, this is a new trend that has taken the internet by storm, or at least TikTok by storm as of yesterday. Somebody asked the question where, are there more wheels in the world or doors? I think it's wheels. What, what do you think there's more of? And then it's like, well, does this count as a door? Is this like our cabinet's doors? Mm. Like... What do we count as wheels? So it's just, uh, it's it's like the black versus white dress situation all over again. Right, right. Okay. All right. So you're saying you're above it? No, I was all in on wheels. Oh, okay. Cool. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Good. Uh, Hunter Sachs uh, submits a comment. Uh, They say, apparently Hidetaka Miyazaki in an interview not long ago mentioned that It Takes Two was one of his favorite games last year. Uh, Yeah, this was an interview on the PlayStation blog that uh, Tim Turry, friend of the show, actually did. If you didn't see it, it was fascinating. It was just Miyazaki talking about how much he loved playing It Takes Two. And then Tim had the great insight to ask a follow-up question, so he went into more depth about how much he loves It Takes Two. So it felt it feels validating as somebody who loves It Takes Two to be like, see, Miyazaki, the greatest living game designer, he likes it. Uh, anyways, uh, Hunter says, throughout your time meeting developers, are there any other games played by other teams that stood out? It's interesting. Yeah, all those developers that I've met. You've met who, all of them. Uh, you've met developers. You met like um, yeah, my coworkers. <laughs> no, there's that picture of you with uh, Mr. Near, Mr. Nearman. Oh, Yoko yeah, but Taro. I wasn't like, hey, what other games do you play <laughs> besides Near? I wasn't like, oh, by the way. Yeah, uh, the the one that stands out to me is visiting Hello Games for the No Man's Sky cover story back at Game Informer. That entire studio was obsessed with Shoot Mania which was like Ubisoft's FPS spinoff of Trackmania. And it was the weirdest thing of them being like, oh, you don't play Shoot Mania? Like, no one else on planet Earth is talking about Shoot Mania, but somehow that entire office was like Single-handedly staying. carrying <laughs> yeah. the servers of Shoot Mania. Yeah, they were like staying late and got really into Shoot Mania. It's weird. Uh, Joey writes in and says, hey, everybody, I'd love to hear you all talk about feature creep in games. I've been thinking about revisiting some older gen games, but I don't want to deal with fuel management in XCOM 2, nor build an army in Shadow of War, nor the million different ways of asking, are your survivors happy in State of Decay 2? Bigger isn't always better, you know? What are some feature creepy games that got on your bad side? Why do you think it's so tough for developers to determine when less is more? I think that's a great question. Uh, I'm just thinking about all of the after Elden Ring came out, all of like the game directors who like walked into their offices and they were like, stop building the Sims. Have you played Elden Ring? And you're <laughs> like, no. But honestly, I feel like Elden Ring is the industry's second chance to learn from Breath of the Wild. I felt like there was going to be a lot more games that were inspired by the openness of Breath of the Wild that didn't really happen. And now with Elden Ring again, it's like, hey, everybody, there is an audience for more openness and more exploration here. 
by feature creep is it like there's too many features like too yeah. granular features just packing um, it full. i mean this is not a popular take surprise but um i think red dead 2 is too granular in its simminess um yeah to the point where i've found it frankly kind of boring um and i really like a lot of elements of red dead 2 but just the process of closing a drawer in that game is hell it's <laughs> hell, hell on earth i don't want to do it um, the fact that and i know there's like now it's on pc so there's mods that can get around that and stuff but yeah i think that was too realistic to the point of like well now this is just like can you imagine the realism of life but if you had to it, do inputs in order active inputs in order to do all those things and i'm like yeah. no i'm good don't hey janet on this podcast we're trying to be red dead redemption to positive because we're trying to get jeff him to play it so if you could say some nice oh, things about red dead no come on talk it up <laughs> talk those it up drawers. janet he has to play it i don't know I, I think you sneeze and people just start shooting you it's just crazy like so much it's, it's a great much. game it's a great game we agree janet and jeff needs to play it um i think like feature creep is natural especially when it comes to like sequels because you think about we spend maybe a couple weeks with a game and then we move on but think about like developers spending years with these games and how many notes they have written down of things that could possibly mm-hmm. be in that game when they're just doing nothing but being fully zoomed in and focusing on this thing so then when it comes to make, when it comes time to make a sequel of course they're gonna be like wow oh, i don't know i have a google doc page that's 60 pages long let's throw it all in please and then assassin's yeah, creed happens like you don't want to lose sight of that core gameplay loop, and I feel like a lot of games do that now. Like, they're very very guilty of, like, forgetting what makes their game fun, which I think is why Elden Ring is so successful, is, right. like, the core loop is down to a science. They make this one kind of game, they're going to keep making it, and they do it the best. But, like, other game developers, you know, you get too many cooks in the kitchen, someone really likes this kind of game, someone really likes that kind of game, it gets pulled in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. And then by the end, you don't have a cohesive loop anymore. Yeah. I think the other thing is that um, I think if you don't put new stuff into a sequel, people are just going to say it's the exact same thing as the last game. I think games, games get criticized for that all the time. So I think there's probably a fear of like, we got to be bigger and we got to do more stuff and we got to add new elements. Right, with right. The, with the XCOM example. Yeah. Um, that's what that made me think of. We need to put snowboarding in this RPG. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who was this person? Jonathan12 submitted a comment over on Patreon. They say, if I'm able, I'd like to take this opportunity to point out that Itch.io is currently, uh, they have a bundle with a minimum price of $10 where all pro- proceeds go to supporting Ukraine charities. I think this might be my answer for last week's question about what, what you love about video games oh that's nice jonathan thank you yeah we can have a a link in the description for that thanks for pointing that out uh all right what do y'all like for question of the week i hate to say it i like cologne i I think i knew you were thinking to say that i was like i it generated the most conversation which is normally how we end up picking these the way we used to do it and i think it's a good way to do it is which question made the show better the best <laughs> I, th- I think it might be ryan mcginnis with cologne am i wrong i'll go buy a barrel full of bar soap just go get <laughs> some of ben's happy. 12 bars of soap yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying like, no, just, sitting there. i don't want his nasty smelling <laughs> but if you use my what they smell ones. like he never actually said look, what they, you smell. Guys he said they like, smelled like something and he wants it to smell like nothing gross, look at gross lush and you look at like stores like lush or like you know bath and body works and you're just like that's not for me. Oh. That that's for someone that's for the else. Bourgeoisie or I yeah, that's for the bourgeoisie. It's for the one percenters. Yeah, I want to cut my nose off whenever I have walk you ever been in a lush? No, ever. I oh did, did not even know that was the name of a store. 
Uh, I just I can't handle I can't handle the cologne or like the perfume. Sarah, smell. let's just start our own podcast. Like, yeah, I let's start our own podcast. It's gonna be the podcast podcast of people who smell good. The clean we, cast. We clean already cast. had that. We already had that bonus podcast a while ago. That I feel like seventy percent of it was just about the smelling. The different smells of things. Oh so. yeah, there was that show of just smelling things. That's right. There was, was that Leo show. And Sarah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We used to do well, that. Me, I was an unwilling participant <laughs> on that journey. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, now it's time for something we call "Get a Load of This." All right, here we go. Hot stuff, Jeffum. Hot stuff coming through. Take it away, dude. Well, get a load of this. Mine was the itchio bundle from oh was it really ukraine oh yep. well, there we go there's uh, the link below for that it then. is up to wait hold on it is up to three million and ninety five thousand dollars that's wow. been raised so far that's, so, that's I wild think a short hike is also in that and if you haven't played a short hike please play a short hike yeah speaking of it's, games that yeah, learned a lesson from breath of the wild yeah for sure there are 992 items in it jesus so far, so. that's awesome uh hey get a load of this um Jeff, am I taking you know the YouTube channel called Dice Tower? The Dice Tower? Big mm-hmm. tabletop channel? They just had this video go up, and it was one of those... This is very particular to my taste, and I apologize. I exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, but they had a video go up, from like, that can't really be what it is. But uh, they have a episode that just went live, and it's called Trey Parker's Top 10 Games of All Time. And it's just an hour of Trey Parker from South Park talking about his favorite tabletop games and running down them. And it's just awesome to see him go in full geek mode. Did you watch it, Jeff? Yeah, I did. It's super weird. It's super weird seeing him so serious about a topic that you never would have guessed. And all the games that he said were legit. So yeah, just to spoil his number one, it's called Summit, and there's, it's like a co-op mountain climbing game. Have you played it, Jeff? Because I, 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 I haven't. Check it out. No. Okay, it seems it seems very good. He's very into like story based tabletop mm-hmm. gaming experiences, which is of course natural. Anyway, so links below if you're not check that out. Uh, I don't know. Sarah and Janet, who who's like more eager to share their get a load of this? Sarah is. <laughs> Take away, Sarah. Get a load of this. Uh, soap is a thing for your body that you should use, and it's anyways. Um, popular voice actress Christina V made a cover song of Despacito. Using Sprigatito, the Pokemon, uh, which I will now be linking into the podcast. Genius. And Ben will need to play it for the people. All right. You know what happens when you ask me to play something, Sarah. Um, Mm -hmm. If you you don't play it, I'm going to play it with my phone on my mic. Okay. Where did you send this to me? I put it. I can put it in the Discord, but I put it in the podcast Slack as well. Oh, podcast Slack. Okay. Got it. Um, All right. Here we go, everybody. Get ready for art. Here we go. I was not expecting that kind of voice, and then I was going to ask, was that actually what Sprigatito sounds like? But we don't know, right? So this is like, this is a... This isn't Something. one artist's interpretation of what this Pokemon will sound like. I hope it does not sound... I'm picking this one. Yeah. And I kind of hope it doesn't sound like that. Well, the good news why. is, you know, we know what Game Freak likes, and they're not going to make it sound like this. It's just going to sound like... It's going to like the digitized cry or whatever, so we don't got to worry about it. Hey, good times. TikTok is good, after all. Uh, Janet, what do you got? 
Uh, get a load of this. Um, Chris, oh, I never know how to say his last name, Skoulian from VGC. I probably butchered his last name, but he does these uh, series of video game encyclopedias. And he has a, his next one up for pre-order. It's called Jumping for Joy. And it's all about the history of platform video games, platformers. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I just saw this really interesting. I think it's impressive when anyone does any book of any kind, uh, let alone a series of like different encyclopedia entries. Like, I can't imagine writing about so many games in such detail uh, and kind of laying them out and doing the spread and all that work. And uh, I pre-ordered this and I'm excited to check it out because that's my favorite genre, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. So I want to see what the uh, what the history is like and how many of these games I've played and which ones I should pick up that I haven't gotten to yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Jeff, did you pull one from the community, from the Discord? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this one is from Leafeon, huh. um, and it's a tweet by someone named Jeff B. And he says, in the late 80s, someone pumped out an Elvin and the Chipmunks cassette tapes of 80s new wave and pop hits. 30 years later, some guy found it, slowed it down to 1 16th speed, and revealed what was secretly the most important post-punk goth album ever <laughs> recorded. Uh, and the, they linked it, the YouTube video of it, and... Uh, it sounds surprisingly cool. Interesting. <laughs> we hear yeah. this as well. It's very weird. Uh, can you send yeah, it to me, Jeff? Can... Hey, let's do it. Okay, here we mm-hmm. go. Can it beat Sprigatito? <laughs> Damn it, chipmunks. Check it out in the link below, everybody. Uh, hey, that's it. That's the episode. Thanks so much for watching or listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Um, we got some things going on here in the future. We have an interview coming up on Friday with uh, folks from the indie studio Camouflage. Ryan Payton, who founded the studio, and then also Matt Walker, who just left Capcom. It's those two talking about their journeys through the industry. Ryan Payton... Um, was an associate producer on Metal Gear Solid 4. So we talk about the development of Metal Gear Solid 4. We talk about the challenges of being an indie studio these days, how many different offers they've had to buy them at this point. It's a really interesting, uh, wide-ranging conversation. And in that is what I was hinting at earlier, where Ryan Payton talks about what it's like to go out for drinks with Hidetaka Miyazaki from From Software and then Ueda from Shadow of Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus and Ecofame and what it's like to see those two people talk, which is about as interesting as you can get in my mind. Um, then, on Monday, March 14th, we have the new episode of Trivia Tower. If you support us at the $2 tier on Patreon, you can compete in video game trivia and we're going to be joined by Blessing Adioye Jr. from Kind of Funny. Uh, so he's going to be our big co-host for that episode and for Trivia Tower. If you win, you get a trivia question correct. You work your way up the tower. You can win a code for Elden Ring, for Christ's sake. Uh, also, Nobody Saves the World, otherwise known as the second best game of the year. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Republic, we have a ton of codes to give away. So if you're looking for a reason to jump in and help support MinMax, if you've enjoyed our content, this is a great reason. $2, jump in, win a prize, compete in Trivia Tower. Give yourself an exciting Monday evening. You've earned it. Yes, Jeffum? 
Indeed. There we go. Uh, also, a uh, reminder that if you support us on Patreon, you can unlock uh, Party Chat, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast that airs every week. Uh, this week, it was a gigantic conversation about Shrek, probably way too much talking about Shrek. Uh, Sarah seems to have started some sort of so Shrek revolution. Tell yeah. me next time you talk about Shrek. Okay, uh, you can jump in whenever. Uh, so you can unlock the podcast, your favorite podcast feed. Also, a reminder, speaking of podcast feed, uh, Crossfade, our music podcast, which airs every other Friday. It's not Patreon exclusive. Crossfade is available wherever you get podcasts. And on this episode of our music podcast, uh, we're talking about Arcade Fire and Built a Spill. So subscribe to Crossfade on your favorite podcast app. And here's another reminder. I'm sorry for screaming at you to do all these things, but you can follow us on Twitch. We'd greatly appreciate it if you follow Minimax Show on Twitch, because this Thursday, if you're listening to this early... This Thursday is going to be the streaming debut of Jeff Marchiafava. What? Crazy times. Uh, do you know what you're streaming yet, dude? I do. What is it? Uh, I checked that game out, and it's it it's a keeper, buddy. What is it? Uh, it's called BeamNG.Drive, which Shut is up. probably the best name for any video game. This is a Square um, Enix game? It could be with that name. Uh-huh. It's a it's a racing game that's focused very much on soft body physics collision stuff. Um, huh. So just wacky crashes is the name. It's gonna of this be thing. real weird. Yeah. All right. So get weird with Jeffum by following us on Twitch. We're streaming every Tuesday and Thursday. Everybody a couple times on Tuesday. So check that out. We'd appreciate it. Um, also, a reminder for everybody uh, that if you support us on Patreon at the fifty dollars tier, you can become a game champion. You can pick any game under the sun and officially declare yourself the champion of it. We will tweet out that you are undeniably the champion. Uh, this month, we have some great picks from folks. Uh, Zachary Pliggy has declared himself the champion of Superman 64, a game that he's literally played dozens Old and dozens choice. of times. So he's locked in, baby. Uh, also, Jonathan is declaring himself the champion of Strange Horticulture, which I didn't know what it was, but it's a game that came out. Have you heard of it, Sarah? God, Didn't it come out this year recently? Yeah, like, yep, it came out in January? January. Wow, you're so hip. Yeah, I had no idea, but it's a detective mystery game about growing plants, but it's sitting at overwhelmingly positive on Steam. It's one of those that's like, oh, do I need to check this out? So congratulations, Jonathan. Thanks for supporting us. Jesse Spencer is officially the game champion of Yakuza Like a Dragon. Congratulations, Jesse. If you have any questions about Yakuza Like a Dragon, go to him. Uh, thanks, everybody, for supporting us. We'll run through the rest of these, and they're in the description of every piece of MinMax content as well. So we appreciate the support. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Anybody else have some wise words? Spree-ka-tito. <laughs> All right. There we go. Spree-ka-tito. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Yeah.